Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> to the window, to the wall. Sweet, sweet. Till the sweat drops down my ball. My until all these bitches crawl Ah, skeet, skeet, goddamn Getting crunk in the club, she's working I like to see them females twerking Taking their clothes off, bucking naked ATL ho, don't disrespect it 369, damn she fine Hoping she can sock it to me one more time Bring your ass right over here, ho And let me see you get low To the window, to the wall Till the sweat drops down my balls Oh, by golly, skeet, skeet Motherfucker, goddamn uh, What are your financial goals? Big goal, I'm trying to buy a house <laughs> Yeah, right What? You'll never own a home but I work 40 hours a week. That's awesome. Nobody cares. I, I don't live paycheck to paycheck. No, you're not what we call paycheck to paycheck. You're what we call vacation to pet surgery. Oh. Have you ever had to replace all four tires on your car at once? Yeah. How was that for you? Why are tires so expensive? <laughs> That's not good. Speaking of cars, seems like you paid your car off recently. Thank you, I did pay off my car. That's a big boy move. The very same month your student loans picked back up? Forgot about those. Everybody did. But I just got a raise. So did all the prices. Yeah, what's going on with eggs? Oof, eggs are having a year. That's why I stopped eating. When did you stop eating? Yesterday. What are your long-term life goals? I'm honestly just trying to be able to afford a kid. Now keep in mind, you cannot afford a child. You can't even afford yourself. But if you're gonna have a baby, have a bunch of them. Pump her up as many times as she can handle. Then get those babies online immediately. Likes and shares, I'm not really sure how it works. Eventually one of them might turn profitable, pay off your debt, and maybe even buy you that house you want. Is that a no on stocks? I wouldn't. Well, well, well. If it isn't the manager of New Haven's puzzle room. Remember me? I'm the guy who solved all the clues, but you still wouldn't let me out of the puzzle room? And then I accidentally used the fake men's room? And you brought everyone in and showed them because the fake toilet didn't flush. And then you said in front of everyone, who does puzzle room by themselves? It's a corporate team building exercise for work colleagues. And I said, I like puzzles. And you said, here's a puzzle, dickweed. Why don't you try to get that real crap out of that fake toilet without getting it all over yourself? Yeah, buddy, I never do this. But I can't sell you a gun. Sure, I understand. Can I use your bathroom? No. What if I promise not to do a paint job in there? Get out. Okay. I'm a uh, demisexual. Do we know the term? All right, I'll tell you. It uh, means I have to be like in love with someone uh, or have a deep emotional connection to get turned on. Good thing I'm in love with big tits and a fat ass. <laughs> so tonight I played a game called Can I Replace My Brakes Before This Gummy Kicks In? I have lost this race 
be, because I, for the past 20 minutes, it's been pissing me off at the fact that Dalton don't have, dolphins don't have feet. You can also tell if you're overweight by the way people describe you. Arbuckle, you really ought to go out with my daughter sometime. She's really nice. That means she's fat. In fact, she's really sweet. That means she's incredibly fat. And very graceful. So fat you wouldn't believe it. Oh, and she has a wonderful personality. If you come to pick her up, bring a moving van. Have you heard the N-word less as you've gotten older in your life, do you feel like? Or did you hear it much growing up? Nah, I never had somebody, like, a different race call me the N-word to my face. Never? I, never. I think I'm, like, one of the... You ready? Ones. Well, no, wait, no. wait. You have no couth, no class, okay? Knowing you, you probably shit on yourself. You need to get your act together for asking some dumbass question like that. Don't ever sit up there and tweet me again. A matter of fact, make sure y'all take his name down and ban him from tweeting this show because he's an idiot, a new fool. That's just disgusting. Unless, of course, you have problems that you can't really articulate. And if that's the case, and you may not have known any better, I apologize for everything that I said. But if you don't have any problems, you're not disabled in any way, and you're just a nasty trifling ass that sent me that tweet, you're gonna be banned from this show. Let me ask you something. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. Shit, no, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. From Filthy Martini Studios in Ontario, California, it's... excited for today's show, Steph. You want to know why? Why? Well, I got two main reasons, Steph. Why? We got Mark Maples on the show, everybody. What? What? What is going on right now? Yes, sir. And um, and, and number two, Steph, uh, mm-hmm, speaking mm-hmm, of Mark, mm-hmm. number two. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, a piece of shit, am I? <laughs> got it. It's episode 300, man. Woo! 300. Woo! And I wanted to... Bring in uh, episode 300 with a little SpongeBob Norteña style. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what we're listening to? Yeah. So there's this uh, there's this guy on Instagram that I discovered. He's on TikTok. He's on all the socials, but I, I discovered him on Instagram, and he covers a bunch of really popular songs in like Mexican Norteño styles and he is very talented. You've heard a few yeah. already. He did like ABBA, he did like Elton John. Uh, he has a band and the name of the band is EZ Band, the letter E, the other letter Z, Band. And they're a straight up like legit Norteño band, uh, but th- I like how the socials are dedicated to them fucking around with other like popular songs and turning them into that style. I feel like maybe they did the other day I'm at school lunchtime the principal likes to play music for the kids and they dance and they're like and I was just reminded how shitty of a song Iggy Break Your Heart is oh my god it's the worst and it doesn't get better when it's played in Spanish because that's what she was playing oh (laughs) god I'm like why in the was that turned into a Spanish version yeah I, I so. They wanted a piece of that pie, man. Oh, the- oh yeah. 
Yeah. It gets played at every family party. Oh, yeah. That and uh, you know what I haven't heard in a while, which I'm not complaining because this fucking blows is the chicken song. Oh, yeah. You guys do that at schools still these days? You know what? It's funny because the first time I ever heard the chicken song Uh is I was probably 10, 11. Okay. And now, mind you, that means it was like 40... For 40 years, 44 I think years the ago. Song might have been I'm 54. At the, yeah, it was at the height of its powers back then, no? And it, and it wasn't. And it, listen, I'm not Mexican. Hablo español. Hablo español, pero no soy mexicano. Ni argentino, ni cubano, ni peruano. Mark is an honorary foo. And, oh. uh, and uh, <laughs> so when I heard it, yeah. uh, I was at a family function for the German side of the family. Okay, yeah. They mm-hmm. were doing the chicken song way back in the you know the nineteen se- late nineteen seventies. I'm like, and then I and then I went started going to Mexican parties and weddings. And I'm like, fuck, I know that song. Yeah, I had no idea that it crossed cultures like that. Well, I mean, they both use an accordion. Yeah, they, they, this very so there's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're very simpatico with themselves like that. Um, Mark, thanks for being on, man. I know this was a, a, a few months in the making. I think the last time you were supposed to be on, you got sick, right? Yeah, I came down, came down with COVID, yeah. Yeah, and uh, weren't you the one who always said that COVID didn't want none of you? They didn't like, want no part? no part of Mark Mabel. <laughs> and then I went to fucking Florida. And yeah. I guess the Florida strain has just got the better of me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a strong strain. Actually, you strain. know what? I, I don't know. Okay, so the day that we left, yeah. uh, my roommate and I, Shared a meal, yeah. and I'm like, well, we got we went to go get something to eat before going there to the airport, and we we had our meals and it was good. And somebody he looks over and he goes, "Oh my god, what are those?" And the guy goes, "Oh, it's shrimp grits. They're amazing. You got to have some." So he goes, "Hey, do you want to split them?" I'm like, "Oh, okay." And I'm not, you know, because like I'm, I'm impervious because I've never had COVID, so I'm impervious. And he, I go, go ahead and eat what you want, then I'll eat up. So I ate after him. We didn't like just split it apart and oh. like, put it on my plate. And, I, and, and he, now he says he didn't get COVID, but he did come back sick, but he said he didn't test positive for COVID. So I don't know if it was that. Or also, when, on my flight home, I, I was looking for the button to, to, to lean my, my, my airplane chair backwards, yeah. get a little lean on, you know, my lean like a cholo. I was ready to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I missed the button, but what I found was gum. Oh. underneath the armrest okay and then fresh you know, gum like still green it, it, it was soft and it wasn't like it was hard oh. Oh, okay okay you know and it the, would get hard right in a cold plane you would think right yeah. um especially with more maples uh, around uh, yeah, yeah. soft is the worst yeah and so like and then i'm like Tell me. i didn't have access to my hand sanitizer yeah you know and i and we're getting ready for takeoff and i said so I, and then I, you forget then you forget and then they come around with snacks, uh-huh. and you're just diving in. You're using your hand. You're you know licking your fingers because okay. you want to get the salt from the from the pretzels off your fingers and all that. So I don't know if it was the grits or if it was the gum. Coronavirus. <laughs> exactly. Right. So two days after coming back from uh, Florida, I just went down. Down for the count. So you, you had, no. did you have all the symptoms? Were you like, were you just out for the count? Or was, were you still walking around and working? No, I took, no. I lost nine days of work. Jeez, okay. Damn. Nine days of actual, not nine Well, you days. have to go in. You're a teacher, right? No, I, we had sick days. And, oh. and then we get those back because it was COVID related. Oh, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. thankfully COVID-19. I didn't I didn't lose all my, my sub days so I can still have my sick days so that I can... Uh, Go play golf. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm saving those sick days for when I'm not sick. 
Yeah. I, I always. Yeah. Those are those are my mental health days. That's the American exactly. way. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't take days off when I'm sick. I, you know, I take days off when I need to go fuck around. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what they're there for. And, you know, and, and, you know, thank you for letting me be a part of the 30, 300th episode as a former 300 pounder. Right. Yeah. You that know? was another theme to this. Yeah. So I, I was like, man, when, when I heard you get your 300th episode, I'm like, Joe, I got to come on as a former 300 pounder. I need to be on this. Yeah. 300 is a connection. There. Mm-hmm. Now you, 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 I, I never weighed over 300, although, you know, the day is young. But uh, how, how big were you? 320. 320. Yeah. Last December, I was 315. I got down. In October, like right at COVID time, I was like 266. Mm-hmm. And then it just threw my whole routine all off. I stopped, like, stopped walking and working out the way I was working on dieting. And I've had a really, it's been a very tough year. Like I've wanted to quit teaching multiple times this year because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not teaching. I'm managing behaviors. And it's not, and it's not that I don't have really good, I have some amazing kids in my class. I don't, mm-hmm. don't want to make it like every kid in my class sucks. And it's just, and even the kids that are the struggle, the, the there's amazing qualities about them too. I'm not this teacher's like, I, you know, but they just don't allow me to ever celebrate it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. I'm constant. Cause I have like a, I've got a seriously, I've got like five boys that are just an absolute challenge. And, and I have to, well, as soon as I get one, yeah, your head's on a swivel all yeah, day long. Yeah. And, and just, yeah. I'm like on guard and I'm just tense. Right. And right. so, and since I don't drink anymore, Mm. You know, I, I'm 40 going on 40 months. Today is the 22nd. Yeah. So All right. September 22nd, 2019 was the last time I had a full. Do you want to reset that clock right now, bro? Well, I think I need to. What a wait, piece of shit wait. would I be? <laughs> <laughs> one well, well, you, know. you know, who's going to be in the superb owl oh. already as, uh, as we record this on Sunday. We have uh, discovered that it will be not the 49ers, which is really what was important to me. Right. But it's going to be the Chiefs and Eagles. Birds. The birds. uh, So this this one goes out to Josh, and he posted this on his Instagram. (laughs) By the way, people uh, who are just tuning in have no idea who Josh is. He was the guy who was on the show last year and a couple Mm -hmm. years before that. He uh, He was actually a pretty central part of the uh, FUBAR show, but he's no longer, you know, a, um, a a recurring member of the show, but he is still very loved. And I wanted to play this very sad and lonely acapella moment that he and his family shared when the Eagles won the whatever the fuck you call it. Uh, playoffs. There you go. <laughs> fight, Eagles, fight, score a touchdown, one, two, three, hit them low, hit them high. Now we don't know at and this moment how sober or drunk he could fly, be. Eagles, fly, on the road to victory. I like the, uh, I like the, uh, the, the, the little claps, you know, like, yeah, hey, all right, Josh. <laughs> Hey, you did it. You did it, buddy. All right, and on we have Suter. Specifically on YouTube, it's rock music your parents are cool with. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, on with us today, we have, uh, we have Cameron, Dallas... And uh, and Casey, what's up, guys? Not a whole lot, man. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, dude. Thanks for doing it. Thanks for doing it. Now, a couple, uh, I would say a solid month ago or so, we hit you up. Um, Steph can be given the credit for finding you guys on on good old Instagram. Awesome. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, it's totally our style, man. It's totally what we like to listen to, specifically Steph. She likes all that stuff. I um, love it. And I am really digging a lot of the vibes you guys are putting out. Uh, you guys have a new single coming out on, uh, well, by the time this airs, it would have already been out. Um, that's your single, Bad Love, that you mm -hmm. can pretty much find anywhere. And you guys are even having a companion music video coming out with it too, right? Yep. Yes. Yeah, man. So tell us a little bit about that new single. Like, well, uh, Casey, are you, uh, are you writing the lyrics? Uh, who does what in the band in regards to like the writing process? Yeah, I do, uh, I guess, the main vocal. Mm -hmm. So I sing and then I, I write the lyrics. Uh, I think sometimes we, uh, we'll, you know, kind of put something together as a group. But yeah, most of the lyrics are, are being written. Okay. Like on their own without any music? uh sometimes yeah. yeah i think everybody's like creative process is a little bit different um sometimes i find it easier to like see what the guys bring to practice musically and kind of get a vibe for that mm -hmm. and then right there you know yeah our process honestly is i mean by modern modern times standard it's it's pretty old school it's it's kind of rare that i feel like a lot of bands these days are you know kind of writing on their own and then bringing stuff you know or sending tracks back and forth i mean Hell, half the bands are living in members are living in different states, but I feel like we're one of the few bands that really get in a room together and write most of the stuff. And a lot of times it starts with like Dallas brings a riff to you know practice, or I bring something, mm -hmm. or I like mapped out on our own, and then we all flush it out together. But by the time it starts, by the time it ends, it's always completely different once everyone puts their own flavor on it. And even then, like each song is probably a little different in the in in how you guys came up with it no or is or do you guys have a pretty much like a, a like a formula or or something down i wouldn't say that we really have much of a formula i mean we, we pull a lot of influences from various different like genres of music so you know maybe one song is kind of like you know like blackout it's kind of more of like a like in our heads we imagine it as like a barn dance kind of song like a really like western style kind of uh -huh. like vibe to a to a rock song and then you know, Bad Love is a lot more like kind of in the pop punk. You guys realm. have barn dances up there? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much. They're few and far in between, but we're aware of them. <laughs> we'll send you some YouTube videos. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we definitely, I wouldn't say there's a formula, but we definitely have our tendencies. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say a lot of the new stuff, you know, Blackout Dallas brought that riff, mm -hmm. and then he and I kind of fleshed up before practice. And then once everyone got there, you know, kind of structured it. And I have these four huge windows in my living room mm -hmm. that, you know, they're supposed to be like, Oh, so pretty looking at nature, but they're literally like whiteboards for us. Yeah. So like, we'll you know, we'll write out song structures and over the pandemic, I've been teaching myself how to kind of like engineer on my own just to handle like pre-production stuff to save mm -hmm. us time and money in a studio. So, I mean, we'll have demos that when Dallas comes over, Casey gets here a little early. We'll just like, Hey, I wrote these two this week. Then we kind of pick parts that we like from them and, and turn them into songs. Kind of speeds up a little bit of the writing process. But so I wouldn't say there's a formula, but definitely tendencies for each song. Yeah. So is it fair to say that you are like the you like to visualize it? At least you, Cameron. I I realize that you're you're credited as the director for the videos. Yeah. So by my trade, like for a living, I do photo and video. Um, mm -hmm. I'm an art director at the hospital where I handle you know, photo, video, graphic design, you you name it. And then I also run a business as a photographer and I tour with a lot of bands. I've been creating content for a lot of bands since 
touring since to- uh, 2014 outside of like Dang. the band that Dallas and I used to be in. So it's just kind of nice that we're able to have a lot of these like skill sets in house. Uh huh. Where you know typically you're relying on label budgets to help pay for a six seven thousand dollar video, whereas we can kind of conceptualize and Casey can give me crazy ideas and we'll figure out how to make it all work and and just do it all in house. We call him Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dude, I was checking out some of your uh, some of your photography. I, I love what you do with a lot of the lighting in Thanks. that. Yeah, it's really impressive. So kudos on that. I think uh, <laughs> these guys are spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And 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 Casey, your vocals are are just they're great, man. Uh, they remind me of a lot of uh, the influences that I grew up with. Uh, a lot of thrice vibes uh, from from I'm catching uh, a little my morning jacket, a little something yeah. like that. Um, <laughs> and going then, to say more. <laughs> <laughs> I praise man, thank you. And uh, and then just to round it out, man, um, Dallas, I was checking out uh, some of your guitar videos. Those are pretty goddamn impressive, but uh, also. Yeah, dude, you, yeah, your uh, entire Instagram there. Like, so do you do one a week or one a month? What's going on over there? It started there? off as like a once a week kind of thing. <laughs> and then it got kind of hectic with like my regular work schedule and keeping up with this and like other like music things that I was a part of. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm, so I kind of dropped down to like once every other week. And then I had to go through like a big, huge move. And I just kind of never really got back in the swing of it. So I think my last my last video was probably a year and a half ago. What was it called? We're going to plug it. Riff. Riff Wednesday. Riff Wednesday. <laughs> Riff Wednesday. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. Um, so let's go back to Bad Love. I, I know I, you guys shared the music video with me. By the time we're recording this, it's not yet out, but it's really impressive the way it was shot. Who who came up with the concept of like that, of the white background and all the crazy shit going on? So, I mean everything that we typically do is fairly collective. Mm-hmm. Like we don't really have like one person that's like, you know, you're the main songwriter. Like, pr- well, I mean, Dallas is the only one in the band that can really shred. But besides that, <laughs> um, everything is like, you know, we started just like throwing around these concepts and Casey explaining like the lyrics and kind of like what's behind it. Cause we never want to be too on the nose with like a video to where we're essentially narrating a story. Yeah. You'd rather do it a little bit more abstract and um, just from like connections that I have from different studios that I work out of for day jobs, I just happen to have access to a psych wall. A friend of mine runs a studio in our city that, that has a really cool, you know, big white psych wall. And it was something that I would be able to film while being in it. And I had some helping hands. My friend Haley came from Atlanta. Um, her, she also tours as a content creator and she's great with a camera. So she kind of helped me with a couple angles so that we could have some actual moving footage that I was in rather than just like static cameras and having to like punch in to make it look like there was movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but then a lot of the stuff was like spur of the moment, like the all denim thing. Well, you said the words Canadian tuxedo. Yes. Brand. <laughs> yes. And yeah. now it's kind of like the whole theme and vibe for this release. It's kind of <laughs> like the aesthetic of our band. Yeah, we it's, love it's it. It's really become a, a vibe for us. It's yeah. working out. I like it. I like it. We dreamed of having hair. So, you know, I've, I've, we had that wig yeah. and a lot of like, the stuff after the whole Canadian tux idea ran. Um, I mean, like the Richie on like the exercise bike. I was going to say, yeah, literally found that behind the psych wall and just threw it in. Casey, when he had like the um, the karaoke machine, yeah. that was the speaker that we were using to play the song to, to play to. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, 
last minute thing me on top of like the the mountain of amps with you know a mullet just a lot of that kind of stuff was just thrown in last minute because it's very us like we're just a quirky bunch like it's it's just non-stop bullshitting with all of us yeah so like it was a way to kind of have fun with the video because it's a poppy song it's like a little more upbeat yeah it's not classic sad boy tunes so we just kind of let it evolve on its own and i just spent a week cutting it together and, <laughs> and seeing how weird we can make it and you know just using the resources that we had well we've uh, we've talked about it let's go ahead and play it bad love here we go that was bad love man that was great uh, we're gonna play a couple of other tracks here but before we played the song you guys touched uh, on 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 covid How, how'd you guys survive the pandemic how'd you guys make do as a band it was tough um just because uh, every time we released something it seemed like another wave hit yeah yeah and then 
obviously with me working in healthcare, I see a totally different side of things because I'm in, you know, COVID emergency rooms, ICUs, CCUs, and the campaigns that we're doing in our marketing department, you see a whole different side of it. So it can kind of, you, you start playing things a lot safer because I've, you know, obviously I've seen a 24 year old on a ventilator. I've seen all this. So mm-hmm. show opportunities when they arise, we really had to like weigh our options as far as like, is this worth possibly being exposed to it? Is a show, if we commit to it, do we even know if it's going to happen? Just like every pandemic band, it's just been, you, you can't really navigate it. You, you kind of hope and you wish and hope for the best. And unfortunately we had two records that, you know, when folklore came out, that's when like the initial wave hit right after we released yep. it. it almost so, start over. Yeah. Uh, it was strange. <laughs> yeah. I and then imagine. once, once we released blackout, that's when like the surge, the Delta surge kind of hit. So, I mean, we had a bunch of shows lined up at some larger venues, like with national touring acts that we had to drop because either the tour, you know, had to skip a few dates because of, you know, possible exposures mm-hmm. or we had one show where, you know, two of our members, you know, caught it and everybody was as safe as they possibly could, but I was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Casey. I know. Yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't for him, like, you know, geez, we'd be national tours. Who knows? He'd be, be playing stadiums. Coachella this year. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just kind of tough because he, there's no way to predict any of that stuff. Yeah. You could be as safe as possible, but I mean, hell, you grab the wrong shopping cart at, you know, Kroger, yep. and next thing you know, you're in bed for 10 days. So it's just, it sucked. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> so we just wrote as much music as possible, and now we have a backlog of stuff that we're slowly going to be releasing. Yeah. Well, uh, you guys welcomed in the Delta variant with Blackout. So I, yeah. I think it's only I think it's only appropriate we play Blackout because that one has one of the sickest intros I've seen or I've heard in a little while. Thank you. So Thank you. yeah, here we go.
Nick. All right. Well, that was blackout. <laughs> and uh, and and just you guys, you guys just that's all you do. You pump out bangers. That's all you do. We appreciate it. I enjoy every single release you guys have uh, have done. Now um, we're gonna play "Deep Sleep" by Folklore in a little bit. That was your first EP. Um, I gotta ask, uh, what are you guys listening to right now? Like, who are the bands that you guys kind of draw inspiration from? Not the ones that you kind of like grew up listening to, but who do you like right now? You want to start, babe? Uh, sure thing, dear. Uh, I don't know, I, I kind of go through weird phases where I'll, uh, just be really stuck on a, a couple, like a specific genre and just ride that out. Lately, I've been on a really big, like, pop kick, so I've been listening to a lot of, like, older 1975, uh, oh, the last couple okay. of days. There's a, 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 a lady by the name of Laurel, who's really, really good, uh, just a lot of, like, kind of pop stuff lately, mm -hmm. but I kind of go back and forth between that and, like, you know, some, like... Balancing Composure and Every Time I Die and a bunch of other like, you know, punk rock bands just kind of in different veins. Yeah. All throughout. What about you, Casey? Who do you like? Yeah, I pretty much just listen to what Cam tells me to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all honesty, I probably, I probably have like the weirdest, like, I don't know, most eclectic music taste. Um, I have a very short commute, which is... Uh, Compared to like, I don't know, back in the day, that's when you listen to the most music, or at least for me it was, mm -hmm. when I used to long commute. And now that I'm not driving as much, um, man, I listen to the radio a lot. And I know that sounds like super boomer of me or whatever, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I will straight up listen to some like oldies radio. Like I love, like you said, don't. CCR? Yeah, for real though. <laughs> Like you say, don't talk about stuff you listened to growing up, but I, I think I'm one of those people that still listens to what they listened to growing up. Right on. What about and you, I, Whether that's like country, pop, rap, like metal, punk Everything. rock. Yeah, seriously. If I wanted to name one, though, probably uh, Movements is one of my like favorite like contemporary, I guess, punk rock style pop punk bands. Uh, is that what you would call them? Alternative, maybe? Yeah. 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 They're good so I still I've been jamming them a lot as far as like newer music goes. And Cameron, what are you making them listen to? So lately, I've been d diving into this band called Commonwealth. Uh -huh. I'm not sure where they're from, um, but a friend of mine, um, I call him part of my focus group. So like, we just recently got a new single back that from mixing and mastering. So I sent it to a couple friends of mine, and I guess this band popped up on like related artists or like you know some kind of somehow he found this band through our page and i've been diving into them a lot but besides that a lot of singer songwriter stuff honestly like um city and color had has had a, a bunch of new stuff come out so I've, you know he pretty much stays on repeat in my book um besides that i've been on a little bit of a pop punk kick uh -huh. like stand atlantic has put out some pretty cool stuff lately um but yeah, that's Commonwealth has kind of taken up a lot of my time lately. And then, you know, I'll listen to like really heavy stuff like the gym and things like that. But it's all like old knocked loose and and shit like that. But, mm -hmm. you know, for a few years. Who who uh, who's out there killing it in Georgia aside from yourselves? Ooh, um, microwave. Any yes. shout outs? Microwave. OK. Yeah. So microwave, they're constantly doing big things they're one of the bands that i've been working for since 2015 okay um and then uh, stay here out of atlanta they're doing some really cool stuff dropping singles all the time um 
We already mentioned Drown It Out. Drown It Out. There's a band called Dim mm-hmm. out of Atlanta, and they're some of our, our best friends. Um, they're, they've been a little hush lately. They're doing some, some new writing and stuff like that, so they haven't been as active. But it's literally a, a band of like super musicians. Like Every single person in that band is incredible at what they do. So they're definitely definitely a band to check out. Nice. So um, speaking of uh, releasing new stuff, you, you I noticed you guys have a little bit of a pattern where not only do you release things around like Halloween time, but <laughs> uh, but you you know you do your single single EP and or album. Uh, I I can only guess you know with this new single is this going to be a part of a larger project? Not necessarily. Okay. The way we're we're trying to like. COVID really screwed things up yeah. as far as like those releases. And we almost feel like they were almost wasted because, you know, we, we put out a single, put out a single, put out a full release, but with just like the traffic that they got and just like, I feel like how oversaturated everything is. Yeah. It's just, it's just, sh- it's just proving that singles are kind of the way to go versus like full EPs or full lengths because one people just have the attention span of gnats these days yeah you know anything that's going to be you have 15 seconds to lock people into your music oh totally yeah so it's i think for the foreseeable future unless there's some kind of reason to put out an ep or a reason to put out a full length Mm -hmm. we're just going to be doing singles but we're also tracking them in a certain way to where say we put out three singles and then someone approaches us or like hey like we should put out a, a full record yeah they'll be cohesive on a record Mm-hmm. So it's almost like dripping out, you know, a full record over time, but not necessarily under the same album art, under the same potential concept. Yeah. Well, trying to keep something new in everybody's ears and just kind of stay relevant because unfortunately with how the pandemic has treated everything, your standard metrics are Spotify listeners or, you know, engage on this platform or that platform, your TikTok, like, you know, all the, the bullshit that a lot of record labels kind of require now, which for obvious reasons, but right. it kind of sucks. <laughs> it's the nature of the beast, man. Yeah, um, it's, but it changed two years again. You but know, you gotta, just, you just gotta remember, you know, it, this music's gonna be new to somebody at some point. So don't stop, don't stop pushing it. Um, I, I really enjoyed folklore. Uh, I really enjoyed blackout, and this new single, Bad Love, is out of control, man. This is you guys just keep, keep stepping it up every time. Um, before we go, Steph, did you wanna say something? Oh, can I get a word in? Yeah, would you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. I really appreciate you um, releasing music um, during the pandemic because you know, as a consumer, I was really looking forward to anything and everything that was like coming out music-wise. Um, and then you know, a lot of people put every everything on hiatus during that time, and you know, we're yeah. finally out of it, and now we're. We're seeing a lot more people come out, so I just really appreciate you just never stopping. You know, we we need new talent, new music, and so yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm I'm stoked that you that you stumbled upon us. Yeah. It's always it was a pleasant like, surprise, sir. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. It's always cool to hear about when people hear your music from like you know different parts of the country mm-hmm. or different countries in general. Like it's just it's just it's wild that that can even be a thing. So. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Well, if you guys ever find yourselves on the West Coast here in Southern California, uh, you guys have a home. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll put some shows together, man. That'd be awesome. We'll, love it. We'll yeah. make it out there. As long as he doesn't get COVID again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Would you leave that over there, please? <laughs> Georgia has plenty. Oh, shit. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Cameron, Dallas, Casey, thanks for being on, man. We're gonna we're gonna sign you guys off by uh, playing Deep Sleep off your Folklore EP. Uh, but before we do that, uh, guys, real quick, just uh, where can we find you? Your socials, just throw all that out. Instagram, uh, Suter.ga, um, TikTok. Uh, TikTok. Uh, I think it's TikTok Suter Official. Suter Official. Twitter. Twitter mm-hmm. is just Suter. Yeah. Yeah. All your typical socials, Facebook, blah, 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 blah. Spotify, iTunes, or Apple Music. All right. Amazon Music. Well, you guys, we're so so happy to have you on. Um, We wish you the best of luck. And... uh, I don't know what else to say. It's just we're, we're happy to have met you and and uh, and we wish you the best. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. All right, brother. Take it easy. You too. You too. All right.
Uh, Steph, I'm pretty excited for today's show. You want to know why? Why? Because it's St. Patty's Day weekend. What'd you do for St. Patty's Day? Um, I stared at the booze shelf that we had. Yeah. And, and fell asleep. <laughs> I was just like, damn, should I do I really want a cocktail? No, Did you have a cocktail? I didn't. I just, we have a bottle of wine open. So I just had a glass of wine and then I knocked out on the couch. <laughs> that's, that's very on brand. That's a very, that's a very Steph St. Patty's day. Um, yeah, it's kind of standard for you, isn't it? You know, regardless of the holiday, it's you're uh, Irish or at least part Irish. Yeah. I'm ha- yeah. I'm half Irish. Yeah. You're raised on potatoes and corned beef and hash. <laughs> Nothing but potatoes and alcohol. And <laughs> <laughs> turn into a shrimp when i get touched by the sun yeah yeah there's that too yeah and all the uh, verbal abuse <laughs> yes child. yes <laughs> and uh the ability to fall asleep anywhere yeah that's yeah well i mean i think that's where irish the irish and the mexicans really get along and <laughs> and, and have a lot of similarities <laughs> you know there's there's nothing like sharing one of the worst stereotypes you can have as a as a race you know <laughs> I, 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 for fuck's sake you know like as a mexican you see all these like s- small little statues of like that mexican dude with the with the giant hat like leaning on a cactus yeah for, for like a little siesta uh, you know, I, uh, y- you, you can't assume he's an alcoholic. Maybe he, he had a little doobie, but for sure, when you think of the, the Irish, that that's definitely alcohol induced. Wouldn't you say? You know what? We are a hardworking people. Mm-hmm. And when we get home, we just don't want to hear about nothing. So we have a drink or two. Well, boys, I'm on me way home to beat the wife. Who wants to join me? Hey! And then everybody kind of follows, right? I don't know. There's a lot more nagging. So they just end up walking away. There's a little less well, physical I, I, aspect. I would argue that that's only the case when the wife is Filipino. <laughs> <laughs> As I imagine it would be your case. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of yelling from both sides. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. But your your dad, he's not uh, he's not from Ireland. He just has Irish roots. Yeah, right? yeah. No, he's one hundred percent bred in the South, mm-hmm. Georgia. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> good times, good um, times. I mean, yeah. which I think I think the spirit of St. Patty's Day is coming back. Um, you know, considering three years ago we 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 all shut down due to COVID. Um, this entire season, like mid to late March will always be cemented at least in my millennial brain as it just going like the downturn of COVID in late February right into overall March is when like everybody was talking about COVID in 2020. And I just remember, you know, having a, an awesome outlook on my band playing so many shows that year and then just show after show just being canceled it was just like a domino effect i think today right the 18th no it was it was the day for me at least the more impactful day was the day before saint patrick's day because on saint patrick's day we were going to play a big huge saint patrick's day show at a at a a pub over in corona at boondocks oh yeah 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 and that would have been we were like 
we were one of the bands that were always in consideration to do that annually mm-hmm. at that particular location. And they threw this huge giant bash. They have a particularly large parking lot that often goes unused. So they use that outdoor area so that, you know, they can kind of make the festivities quite, quite bigger. And so, but anyway, um, I think, I think people are getting back into it. Yeah. Um, no more masks, no more, no more COVID talk really for the most part. It's been three years. We had our three year, uh, pandemic, Annie, uh, this month, the pandy, the pandy, Annie, the pandy, Annie. Yeah. Three years. Is that what people are saying? That's what I call it. Oh, so nobody, you're welcome. Nobody's calling it that. Um, yeah. Three years this month. Three years, yeah, yeah. Three years yeah, this yeah, month, yeah, yeah, for sure. Can you believe it? I can. <sighs> we survived. It's about goddamn time. You know, if you ask me, the pandemic took out the wrong people. We're almost done with this goddamn rain. We got like a couple days to go at the tail end of this week, and Southern California should be clear from rain because we've been getting it for. And it's you know, it's that damn groundhog's fault. And it's not even it's not even the rain itself that's bothering me. You know what's really fucking grinding my gears? What? The guy who always when whenever the whenever like the discussion of weather and rain, you get the guy that's always like or girl, equal opportunity foo over here. You get that asshole that's just like, but you know we needed it. Whatever <laughs> has to like agree, <laughs> you know, water cooler fucking moment there. Fuck that guy, no, dude. You know what? I've we- got an asshole of this guy. Can he fuck all the way off? We were all saying that at work in the beginning, <laughs> right? We're just like, oh my God, it's raining? Finally, yeah. we have some wet weather. But then like over time, like three months of just pure rain, just, just torrential dude, downpour. We've gotten tornadoes in LA. What's that all about, eh? We're, uh, I know, it's fucking ridiculous. We're having people swept away by floods. And snowy mountains, which, you know, we have that, but whatever. And tornadoes and shit. Um, at work, we're just like, just making fun of it. But you know what? We needed it. And <laughs> <laughs> you know that meme with that kid. <laughs> Everybody is doing it. No, like. Yeah, ne- but you see something. There's something about doing it ironically. Like you're explaining you and your coworkers are doing. Right? Yeah. At this point. Yeah. It's gotten kind of meta. You're kind of looking internally here well, and I'm, just realizing how ridiculous it sounds. Every time somebody brings up the rain, I'm just like, it's too much. It's too much. <laughs> like, I'm over it. Uh-huh. Why is the water still falling from the sky? But we needed it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, I needs to go. Uh, we've got a plethora, Steph. Not just a few, but this guy went wild. He, he, he's, <laughs> it's time for another Manic Mark Maples messages on Mondays, technically. It's technically Monday as we release this. You're still getting it on Monday. You're still getting it. <laughs> We're fulfilling our contract. We have a contract? A moral obligation. There you go. All right. So uh, here's the first one. Well, you know we needed it. Oh, you know why we bitch. fucking no. needed it? Because we were in a goddamn drought, for motherfucking sake. Shit, I hate having to fucking be told when I can put on my sprinklers, when I cannot put on my sprinklers. No, you can't have a fireplace in the backyard because there's too much fucking fire hazard. Well, fuck that. Keep bringing the goddamn rain for a while. 
You know, you know, I do have something to say about that. Now, now this is in reference to last week when I was uh, when I was really berating the personality at every water cooler conversation. Uh, that you know, whenever rain is brought up, there's always that asshole that goes, "Well, you know, we we needed it." And everybody just kind of has to agree and look at their fucking shoes as it's they nod. It's too much. No, yeah. It's too much. And, uh, but you know what? We needed it. Fucking guy. You know, I'd be, I'd be okay with Mark's retort there if it wasn't for California's lack of knowing how to collect the fucking water as it falls from the sky. They can't collect it. It just goes right back into the ocean. <sighs> They're just like, oh, all of the all of the levees are filling up. The rivers are filling up. Have you seen the L.A. River? People are dying because all the homeless used to live there. And now they can't live there anymore because there's actually water in it. Yeah. But it's still garbage. Yeah, it's um, still garbage water going out into the ocean, whereas we can, like, catch it and treat it and then redistribute. I don't, it's, you can't it's a whole, catch it. What do you mean? I mean, like, they don't have a system. Like, you think well, they that's would just the put... problem. They, you think they would just put barrels out and just catch it and then no, recycle it? No, there has it. to be a facility where, like, all this can be routed to. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Anyway, what else did he say? Okay, holy shit. Baby being a nickname for Abigail now makes sense for Dirty Dancing. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Sounds better than nobody puts Abigail in the corner. I got it. Thanks, Steph. You're welcome. He didn't finish chewing what he <laughs> had in his mouth before he <laughs> dialed that number. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess. You know, well, the other... there. I mean, there is Abby, too. But I guess people like using baby. Oh, that was a first for me. I never heard that before. I've heard both. Since you, I'm familiar with since both. Since you kind of brought that up. Um, did we play this one already? Okay, Joe. I like all three in your top three, but I'm thinking. I think he's talking about the top three uh, fried chicken places from last week. Ah, yes, 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 yes. What about Knox's, Mrs. Knox's Kitchen at Knox Berry Farm? I'll tell you one that I'm not a fan. I was not terribly impressed. Was um, fucking eight. Can't remember the name. Nice. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Still shit. recording. Mics are hot, Mike. I had the name. Oh, man, fucking problems here. Mics are hot, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) He just kind of went through a crisis on that one. Um, Yeah, I've never had the one from uh, Knott's, and I don't know that I've had the one where he couldn't remember the name to. Hmm. Hmm. I guess we'll never know. Never heard of it. Let's see. (laughs) Okay, so I called in reinforcements to fill the gap of my brain. Okay. Roscoe's. I was not impressed with Roscoe's. Ch- oh, that place is cabbage. That place is straight. Cab- <laughs> have you been there before? I have a couple of times, and each time has been subpar. Hmm. Um, I think people go there because it's like a cultural thing. You know, it's it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of a chain. It's a, it's a famous chain here in L.A. Okay. Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Chicken and waffles. Listen, it was a big piece of chicken. It wasn't. But it was dry and it had mm-hmm. no seasoning. That's right. No flavor whatsoever. Yep. I was not impressed. I was so pumped when I went there too. Damn it. I think that they are expecting you to smother it in the syrup, like, you know, with, with the waffle so that you can eat them together. Kind of like the waffle becomes your tortilla. 
and the the syrup is the, like the dipping sauce the dipping or whatever yeah i guess or or you know or you just smother them in it i guess i don't know but you still don't want a dry piece of chicken you don't you don't want a dry piece of chicken i think if we've learned anything on this podcast today it's that um have i played this one yet okay so i called in reinforce okay no Hey, can I get uh, Christine's number? I don't know her or anything, but uh, <laughs> I believe you said she sucks. I really kind of didn't hear anything after that fact, but, you know, help brother out. Thanks. It's a different context. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I wouldn't know. Nope. Well, shit, I was going to comment that Canada is America's top hat. And yes, I was driving. I'm always fucking driving when I listen to the show. I got a long ass drive every day. 30 miles each direction. So, you know, that's what I do. I listen to the FUBAR show. Uh, I had been slacking on the number of messages. So this week, you got lots of them. Yeah, we do. Uh, So we've learned two things from Mark. When he listens to our program, he is driving and he is uh, having breakfast. Is it? I think he's finished by now eating his breakfast. I've done that before while driving. <laughs> oh, yeah, like we've I, all done it. No, but I'll be like full bowl of cereal. Oh, for fuck's Not sake. Not even like, you know how like it's easier to eat it in a mug sure. because you have a handle? No, I'm like full Pyrex bowl of cereal, scooping it up, driving with one knee, trying to stay awake on the freeway. Look like you're fiending. <laughs> I'm you fucking could, hungry. <laughs> you couldn't just take a minute to... Anyway, let's see. There's more. Which position on the guitar is for the weed pickup? That's the one I'm most interested in. Ah, the puns. The puns. Good one, Mark. I've never heard of the band Beauty School Dropout, but I'm sure it's in reference to the song sang by Frankie Valli in the movie and uh, musical Grease. I don't know what he's talking about. Do you? beauty school dropout did we reference that in a in a in a podcast recently have we lost mark um did he call the wrong podcast i think tune in next week mm, on dragon ball z <laughs> see you next time on dragon ball z yeah, yeah. uh no i hate that does sound familiar but i can't remember the podcast that we do because once it's done mm-mm. did you listen to something from like 2021 mark is that what's going on here? Everybody's screaming at us. It was from last week, you idiot. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that doesn't ring a bell. Um, I'd like to see what... Can you please elaborate on that one, Mark? Please elaborate. Yeah, because we're not going back and listening to it. I'm not. Nope. I sure as hell I'm not. We got a whole new setup here, sort of. Not really, kind of. I know. You yeah. did I, I gave it a little job. bit of a facelift. Yes. of sorts yes, here in, I like in, it. in filthy martini studios um really all i did was just uh move everything 90 degrees added a television on the wall hung it up there and a mini fridge how about that mm, yes very nice yeah. very nice it, the ergonomics in this space is quite impressive you know um it's more it, it's less about ergonomics for me and more about the spunk shui are, are you familiar a, uh, with the excuse me the, the spunk shui spunk shui spunk shui yes it's um it's a term that i uh borrowed from uh your boy adam carolla and mm. uh, where he sets up the furniture in his office room wherever he does his computer work mm. in a way where if his wife were to walk in 
<laughs> he at least has, you know, a couple of seconds of a heads up to clean up whatever he's doing. It's feng shui. It's like feng shui, but you okay. know, all right. for, for spunking. <laughs> In this case, you're facing the door. And I think that's the, uh, that's you, the there, prime. There is no seconds mm-hmm. time frame. It is just an immediate response of just shock and awe. Like, <laughs> if I were to open the door, I would just immediately close it. Just look down and just close it. It's like, what? Well, I don't know. I, I, I think the point is so that you don't see what's happening on the screen. Yes? I don't need to see what's happening on screen. I just... You know, whatever is happening. The beating of the off? Yeah. Oh. You know, I didn't Because it'd be it weird. I'd be like, you know, I, it's something that you do. <laughs> I don't need to see you do it unless I was present there in the beginning. Sure. You know what I mean? Initiating it, perhaps? Perhaps. Yeah. But like coming into the middle of it <laughs> when I wasn't <laughs> nice invited. Nice words, Steph. <laughs> right. I would be like, oh, Sorry. Well, I think the point of the spunk shui is for you not to be able to see that either. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's a giant desk here, so I, I probably... I'm wouldn't. just... I'm saying. I'm saying. We have a poker desk. It's a large desk. Yes. Yeah. It's a large desk in... It's not a desk at this all. This room. Yeah. Uh, this is what? Uh, about... This space is about 11 by 9... 11 by 10-ish. It's a tight room. It's a tight space. It's a bedroom for fuck's sake. And and this is where, we, this is where the magic happens as they say uh, how the fudge is packed. Making his triumphant return to the FUBAR Show program. Author, storyboard artist, conceptual artist, and prop illustrator Doug Brody is back on the show. What is up, Doug? Hi, thanks for having me back. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, man, third time's a charm. We've had some def- technical difficulties trying to get this whole thing off the, off the ground, and here we are, man, in mid-flight. <laughs> well third attempt for the third book it all evens out yeah and uh, i think in 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 uh in attempt number two and trying to get this thing going uh i think we we hypothesized that it might have been the government trying to trying to shut this whole thing down uh because of the truth you've been spewing from these books <laughs> i thought it was fiction but you never know you just never know you just never know man uh so anyway like we've been saying we're so excited to have you on because we're big fans of your work uh not only with these three books because uh, you've just completed the trilogy of uh, of the ship but also with uh with the other stuff that you've shared with us your storyboard drawings uh everything that you've talked about in your in your career history uh in the first couple of times that you've been on the show this is is your third time on the Foo Bar Show podcast, and uh, you've been on for every book. Yeah, no, thanks so much. We met in uh, LA Comic Con about six months after the first book launched, mm-hmm. and then you were nice enough to have me come back for the second one, and now we're closing the trilogy out. The book just came out uh, two days ago, so book yeah, three. yeah. Now um, I don't know how much about this you want to talk about, but I understand that there was a little bit of a mishap with uh, the book getting released earlier than expected oh yeah no we had you would think i'd be too small for pirates to notice but somebody 
Um, I'm not going to theorize on how they got copies. I have my ideas, but somebody got advanced copies of this book, a lot of them, and they were selling them on, on Amazon at incredible prices, like 35 something for wow. the paperback. Wow. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, even our Comic-Con prices, which always have to be a little bit higher because of the booth, yeah. are nowhere near that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. And, 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 and what hit, how it hurt me was, you know, we do all these pre-orders so that your first day sales are really good. It yeah. helps give your book a little bit of a boost. We lost all of that mm. because the pre-orders stopped two days in advance. And, you know, so that, that hurt us. Also, God forbid some, you know, a client or a reader or whatever you want to call them just decided, oh, the Doug's new book is out. I'm going to buy this. And then saw the price is $35. Yeah. What's this cheap bastard trying to do to me? You know, so, <laughs> you know. That's true. I Hopefully mean, nobody was stupid enough to pay that for a paperback. I mean, you know. And so as far as you know, do you know if those, if there was any copies sold with those ridiculous prices? I have prices? no way of knowing. I didn't yeah. get anything from it. And if anybody did, God forbid, buy a copy, they totally got ripped off. But uh, it's a book. I mean, it's not like they're not getting it. It's just they're paying $35 for a paperback. They could have gotten the hardcover for 30 I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. So, you know, hopefully nobody did. Um, but yeah, no, that was. I, you would think I'd be too small a fry for them to even notice. I, I would imagine they're doing this to a lot of indie authors. I, I would imagine that they have a access to the plant in some way, shape, or form, and are having that happen. Did you? And I did let the the people printing the books know. Did you leave point. them a bad review? No, no. <laughs> I just I, I emailed them, and they they, they 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 you know they said we're you know the next day either they or Amazon somebody definitely noticed because those books were gone and my books and the book. Three ended up coming out a day early. Yeah. Um, yeah. So somebody was obviously trying, noticed it and was trying to snip, snip it in the, the bud. So, gotcha. you know. Yeah. It's not the way it's, I would say it's nice to be popular, but it's really, that's not the way you want to be popular. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, um, it, it creates buzz. <laughs> that's, but, you know, it depends <laughs> on the size of the buzz. I guess. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I, it's a pretty small, it's a pretty small world of people that even knew that that was occurring. But yeah. um, I did try to let some of my readers know on Facebook and stuff like that. Um, and I told them that anybody who had already pre-ordered that it didn't affect them in any way. I just didn't want them to buy it on that day. It was like a Wednesday. So two days uh, before the release. And by Thursday it was up and I let them know, this is fine. You can buy this version. Yes. Well, I mean, uh, we were lucky enough, Doug, for you to share a um, uh, pretty much what, what was it—a manuscript, the manuscript of the book before it got to your editor. No, no, Wait, the book three. Yeah, you guys got the final copy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's Steph's, an advanced copy. Steph got an, an advanced, advanced copy. copy. Yeah. Eleven senses were changed. Okay, out of eighty thousand words, so it, it was the book. <laughs> <laughs> so we got the, okay. Steph had a had an opportunity to read it. I've not read it yet. I'm very excited to um, to check it out whenever the audio. You want the comes audio? Out. Yeah, I want the audio. Now, do you have a sense of when that's coming out? Yeah, he starts recording that in about two weeks. Uh, Zachary Johnson, same guy yeah. who did the first two. Oh, nice. It was, it was really great that I got the same guy to do the whole trilogy. Uh -huh. um, it gives me consistency. Yeah. You know, my writing has a consistent tone, and it's great that the narrator has a consistent tone as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that if they hate it, they hate it consistently. And if they <laughs> like it, then they like it consistently. So, You're um, right. But yeah, so he's recording in about two weeks, which means it'll drop probably the end of June. Okay. Okay. Cool. Gives me something to read during uh, summer break. 
Not that I have one. Listen to yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Steph, you want to uh, since you've read book three, what what do you uh, what do you got cooked here for for Doug? I thought this was an amazing uh, final uh, book for this trilogy. So I was just you know every I just I couldn't stop reading it. Um, and thank you for the advanced copy, by the way. And it was it was just a nice like satisfying touch and i liked how um so like on the cover there's not this isn't a spoiler or anything there is you know a a child in the book and i like the way she was written into it like it was it was good there's nothing more terrifying than than writing a child into a book that's really aimed at as at mature adults yeah because you don't want the jar jar effect oh yeah yeah you know what i'm saying like it could really and i don't mean that as a rip to lucas you know god bless i'm just saying i didn't want that reaction i didn't want them being like oh no i'm reading about a child i don't want to hear about a seven-year-old girl and her dialogue and what she has to say this and that so writing her in a way that i thought a mature audience would enjoy was was absolutely one of the top two challenges of this book and there is that hollywood thing of uh, any actor who wants to take themselves seriously would stay away from working with children and animals there's also kind of like that little element too <laughs> for whatever crazy reason but uh but i i thought it was just right like she was in there just the right amount of time and um like her dialogue and then the way they were like portraying her as you know the family and everything um it was it wasn't one of those um how do i say this like it it, the 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 child didn't take over the story Hmm. and you know kind of run amok or anything like that it was just it was just right Oh, good. Yeah. So it was like very satisfying for me. You know, what's cool for me, too, is that we had in this most recent L.A. Comic Con where we saw you at your booth, we had an opportunity to meet your your daughter who you you pretty much that's that's yeah, the girl I turned her into a monster I turned, turned her into an alien yeah, that, and she's on the cover I, I, there I turned my daughter in <laughs> and she had, she had t-shirts and everything we had t-shirts made for comic-con and everything yeah. so you that's know, so if, cool if you come by in, in in december or whatever she can autograph a copy for you because she did her first autograph autographs actually at uh the Vegas con, which was uh, three weeks ago, I think. And so we actually had some advanced copies there that we sold. How, she, how was that, man? I, I understand you were a little uh, nervous in, in going because you have you ever been a part of a panel like that? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they had me. Um, they they had me on two panels. I did one for the MCU, uh-huh. uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, and one for Star Trek. And uh, I, yeah, I was nervous and I, I didn't really know much about, you know, anything like that. You know, I had, uh-huh. I, I think I've probably seen the panel somewhere on, on YouTube at some point, but I, to host one, to have everybody in the room and that they're like, you know, you, you're there, you're the reason they're there. You're the MC. Yeah. Um, is, is, was a little um, nerve wracking. Um, so uh, I thought the MCU one went really, really well. Uh-huh. I thought that was, you know, um, the Star Trek one I shared with another, uh, with an actress um and and she was really great at, at you know um at kind of running the thing and keeping it going keeping the movement going um so it was nice to share something with that where i had half the load but the mcu was just you know i was just relieved that it, it went well and actually it, i was really nervous about leaving the booth for an hour each time i did one of these oh, like, yeah. oh, you know, you're here for you know you're trying to make some sales mm-hmm. not only to get the word out but to also cover your booth and cover your expenses and actually a lot of people came down from there and, and ended up picking up the whole trilogy set so no, did, did you plug great. your book while you were on stage on the panel because i'm sure that would help oh yeah oh uh, you know i <laughs> you've met my wife right yeah 
Yeah. She was she was she was running the MCU panel. She was the oh. one asking the questions. So she had them on display in front of me. Oh nice. That's what's yeah. up. Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good. 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 <laughs> Shout out to my wife, Pamela. Yeah. yeah. She's great. She's great. Um the yeah. but she's uh, definitely the salesperson in our family. <laughs> um I and then out of nowhere I get a text because uh, Steph a few months ago went over to Alien Con. Yeah. And, and while you she, while she was there, I get a text message saying, look who's here. It's your boy, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough, you know, she sends me a picture of your booth and everything and you guys connected there too, right? Yeah. yeah. It, you yeah. Know, it was a nice surprise um, to see Doug there and, yeah. you know, just... The, it was just a whole alien vibe because it's literally mm-hmm. alien con. So people are out there. I don't know there. why I didn't think you wouldn't <laughs> be there, but it makes total sense. I didn't even know it existed until a couple months before I showed up. Wow. I didn't know there was an alien con. It, it, it went really well for us, though. It went really well. And um, so we'll definitely want to do it again. I've never been to alien con. I now that I'm hearing more about it, I'd like I'm interested in maybe going to the next one. But how does it compare to a Comic Con? Like in your experience, it's as somebody on the, you're talking about so? the difference between, you know, LA Comic Con is about seventy five thousand. The Vegas one, which is much smaller, is about twenty five thousand. Okay. This is like two thousand, three thousand. I mean, maybe it's more than that, but it's not a lot more. I mm-hmm. think they said it's like ten thousand. I have a tough time believing that <laughs> talk about a conspiracy theory I, I don't believe that maybe they were just spread out throughout the day you know you don't know maybe maybe but we were right next. we had a, we had a choice spot you know and we were right next to the front door so anybody who went in had to go out, like right by our booth so okay. you know and, and when you're running a business you definitely try to keep tabs of like how many new people are we seeing mm. and you know so I, maybe i'm wrong but i think it was in the low thousands Okay. Okay. But, uh, but it still went really well for us because it was a targeted audience. For Although, sure. <laughs> you would be, my wife was generally surprised how many people went up to our booth. They saw, we have a giant banner of the alien head on that one. Yeah. Now we have a giant banner of our daughter, which you'll see in December. But um, there's this giant alien head with the ship and everything. Yep. And I guess we should have thought of this in advance. But they all walked up to my wife. A lot of people walked up to my wife because she does the most of the selling and says, yeah. you know, is this based on a true story? So over the course of two days, my wife had to get really good at getting a straight face when somebody says she'd be like, no, you know, Doug chose to tell a fictional story, um, you know, based on the characters and what might be this and that. Right. But, yeah, the first couple of times that people kept going, you know, is this a true story? This and that kind of threw my wife a bit. So. You should have leaned into <laughs> it and said yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely true story. Yeah. It's <laughs> <This is> totally <laughs> no. happened. In fact, this is because a transcript, you know, not a book. Is, and nobody ever wants to hear this, but anybody who, who writes or knows a little bit about the, the, the meat of it. The spaceship, the aliens, the all the adventure, all the things that really that, that make up what you think of when you think of the series, that's kind of the wrapping paper, mm-hmm. you know? Like, if somebody was to ask you bare bones what Star Wars is about, it's basically about a farm boy who goes to save a princess. This intergalactic stuff and all that, that's that's the wrapping paper. That's the vehicle. But it's the first thing you think yeah. of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the icing on the cake. But the cake is actually, my series is really about uh, dealing with past trauma. Mm-hmm. And in the newest book, there's a character who has no memory of the first two books, the, the mm-hmm. past, and she does not want to face the past. She has no interest in, in she has flashes of it and it makes her nauseous. So she doesn't want to know what happened to her. She doesn't want to know where she's been. Yeah. And that goes all the way to the first book where she had past trauma with her father. So there's like, the story is really about different characters and how they face their past traumas and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just with, you know, hopefully really cool wrapping paper. 
So um, when you came when you came back to um, Children of the Ship, like how did it feel? Um, sort of wrapping up the story for you, like like what were your thoughts? Like oh, it's, you know, how did you, how did you feel? You know, with it coming uh, to an end. Well, actually, I was going really really well there for a while because um, I, I knew the the second book ends. Um, in a way that that definitely gives a hint as to where I might be going. That, mm-hmm. that you know, um, um, so I had an idea, and I definitely knew what I wanted to do. So I was rolling fine up until the last fifty or sixty pages. There is nothing more stressful, it turns out, than writing the last fifty or sixty pages to a trilogy or any kind of long series. Because if you screw that up, then they will feel that you wasted not just their time in this book. But there are time across all three books. Yeah. We've all seen TV shows like I, I love The Mentalist. And then they had this yeah. big thing with this killer Red John and the reveal was terrible. And that ruined the entire show for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some people had that with Lost. Oh, um, yeah. A good oh, example of it working well was, I thought, the final shot of Smallville. After 10 years, the final shot is Clark Kent goes up to the top of the roof of Daily Planet, takes off his glasses, opens up his shirt, and there's the S smashed to black. Because right. the promise of the pilot was this young boy is going to become Superman someday. Mm-hmm. And that's the last shot of the show. So fulfilling the promise of the trilogy is really what the last 50 pages are about. That was stressful. Yeah. I actually had to rewrite a, a, a part of it, like front to back after I had done my first draft. I was like, okay, no, this isn't. And I, yeah. So yeah, the last 50 pages there, there was, there was a lot of stress there. I imagine yeah. you have a general outline of the thought, of, oh, yeah. you know, but it, even then the skeleton that outline did you have to like fundamentally change a few things in it because no no okay no well you might recall i don't know if any, if anybody's watching this had seen our last year's interview uh-huh. there was a, we, we did mention the third book and i said that it in the third book casey was going to have to make it you said do you know how it's going to end or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. and i said it depends on which choice decision casey makes because there comes a point in this book where Casey has to make a choice. The ship tells her something that you can do this and save this group or do this and save this group. Yeah. And you have to make a choice. And at the time that we were talking a year ago, I didn't know what her choice would be. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about when you write characters is they go in different directions that you ever expected. She actually found a third option that I had never intended or thought of until much later when I was in the book. Okay. Okay. So, But yeah, I definitely knew how it, I knew where all the characters ended up. That part I knew. Yeah. I mean, now that the trilogy is complete, what uh, what's next for you as an author? Actually, at the end of book three, mm-hmm. I always like it when people give you like those little sneak peeks and stuff. Uh-huh. You know, I've seen them in Star Wars books and stuff. So what I did was um, I had a script that was optioned three times called Shelley. It was originally called Homeland. Then it was called Sentient. And then finally, now the book is called Shelley mm-hmm. uh, about an android detective. Um and uh, in a futuristic Washington, D.C. And it was optioned several times. Everybody really liked it. It was my most popular script, but it never got off the ground. And it was originally going to be my first book, and I decided to go with the ship first. Um, but now that the ship trilogy is done, I dug out my initial 50 pages. I've been editing them, and I'm going to go and, and write that this year. And, and, you know, knock on wood, that will be next year's launch at Shelley. And the first chapter is done and edited, and it's actually in the back of yeah. Children of the Ship. Oh. So if you read it, you can totally yeah. see. Yeah, Stephanie read it. Uh, it was. I think we were talking about this. Um, like we briefly talked about this at Alien Con, and I was like, oh, you know, I, I really, I remember, you know, long time ago, authors used to give like a sneak peek or even the first full chapter of their next book, and 
and then you did it with this uh with the <laughs> end of the children of the ship and i was like oh my god he did it and i i love that because now it's just like okay i love these three books i can't wait to see what this author's doing next so it was it's a nice surprise like at no, the end good, of the book good. Yeah. I, I, i'm hopefully you know read will be there they enjoy the third book and they'll be at the end and the at the bottom of the end page it actually says turn the page to see the sneak peek mm -hmm. so hopefully that they they like that That's and cool. um you know it's a very different series it's 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 not sci-fi horror it's sci-fi but it's it's not a big horror thriller and everything and there's no time whimey stuff which okay. makes my life a whole lot easier it's a straightforward um political crime thriller uh, dealing with androids so it's much more you know straightforward which makes it a lot easier for me because when you're doing a three books and timey whimey stuff gets involved yeah yeah you have a lot of i's to dot and t's to cross it's like you're writing inception all over again just trying to figure out where you're at <laughs> on the whole thing you know um yeah but you're writing three of them <laughs> yeah yeah the stuff that, the decision that i made back in 2020 writing the first one uh -huh. had to definitely be kept in mind when i was writing you know just finishing yeah, this continuity is important yeah yeah oh it's everything yeah as an author what are the key store storytelling elements that you focused on to create like that immersive reading experience like how did you balance action suspense and character development to keep those readers hooked you know I, I i go into what i enjoy you know there are writer there are writers that i really love but maybe they have long passages it's like the i don't want it stephen king i love stephen king i've got shelves of his books mm -hmm. but he'll have some books like needful things or it and stuff where you're like you could chop off major sections of, of stuff that's really not moving the story forward mm -hmm. he just he loves his characters he likes to fill out the world he likes to spend time with them but as a reader i'm like i'm just skipping ahead i'm like okay I, where i'm skimming i don't want anybody to skim my books uh -huh. so if i ever find my eyes starting to glaze that thing goes okay and um in fact in cross three books there is only a single scene, which is a page and a half, that does not directly move the story forward. And that was in book three. There is a scene where um, the little Casey's daughter um, talks about being in a play and that she's been cast as a singing flower, which she's not very happy about. And the reason that scene is in there is because this was the one time that I had to show the family dynamic right before the entire world falls apart. Mm. And I felt I needed it. But it's the only time out of three books that I ever even had a page and a half where it just went into, you know, um, characters like to that degree. I like characters learning about the characters in the action and what they are scared of, whether they are brave, whether they are strong, whether they are weak, whatever is all discovered while in, in, the, in the height of it. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's like Aaron Sorkin, the famous screenwriter once said is don't tell you, don't tell us who the character is tell us what the character wants. Yeah. And yeah. that's a, a way I find to keep my books moving is that I tell you what the character wants and you'll learn about the character and their inner motivations as they go, but it'll be in a heightened sense the whole way. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. Well, cool. Yeah. I think uh, I definitely get that from um, just reading the books. Like they are definitely thinking on their feet and you see the decisions that they make and, it actually describes them a lot better than if you were to just, you know, tell us what they're doing on a Sunday afternoon, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I had to make a decision in the third book. There was, I could have gone what I would call the Stephen King route, which is a totally valid route of showing 
uh, Casey Anderson, who was formerly Casey Stevens in the first two books. When we meet Casey in this book, Casey Anderson is a, is a woman without any memory, and she had vanished for decades, but she actually only aged 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so there's a bit of a mystery around her, and she doesn't want to know her past, and she now has an eight-year-old daughter. And I could have totally shown her going to work and showing her time around the town and, and done all that. It just wasn't needed and it would slow the story down. So you, you meet the people in the town as, as things are going on. You know, if I'm a, if I'm a, either a movie or a television producer, that's probably something that would be in the talks, you know, maybe as for, for the sake of character development, do you think if now we've talked about this before that you, you want to be directly involved in it to make sure it gets done right. But if that kind of suggestion were to come up, is that something that you would try to veto? No, I'd be open to it. Yeah. I mean, everybody has a vision and this and that. I don't know where they would fit that in. I mean, if they got to the third, by the third book, mm -hmm. yeah, they could do that. The first one doesn't really open itself well for that because you open up inside a crash UFO yep. and you're kind of going. Mm -hmm. So there's not really any time for like long fireside chats. There is a scene where it's a little bit quieter, but even that is, is a scene where a, a major Reese is talking to this guy, Arthur, who's now an old man. Who had witnesses who had witnessed Casey's abduction many years ago, um, and you know that's a quiet scene, but it's still it's 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 part of the story. It's moving it along. I'm not a big one for stopping and just having fireside chats. Mm -hmm. I'd rather I'd rather have the chat while being chased by a monster. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. that makes it interesting at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, as a reader, it's just like ugh, sometimes that's a little terrifying. It's like, oh my god, what's happening? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, how, how did your daughter feel about, um, being in the book or like having, uh, inspiration being the model? Yeah. yeah. For the book. She was very excited about it. What I hadn't counted on that uh, is that I also have a six year old boy and now he wants me to write a book about him. I'm like, well, the next book's about androids. Like, can there be an android boy? <laughs> so there isn't, but I, I hadn't quite thought about that in advance. So, um, but, uh, yeah, no, she was happy about it. You know, um, uh, I, I, you know, it's pretty creepy, but she knew what it was going to be. I actually sketched up the cover before I wrote page one. I did that for all three books. Mm -hmm. I always sketch up what the cover is going to look like. It keeps me on track mm -hmm. and helps me make sure that whatever I'm promising on the cover is delivered. Yeah. So, How much of her personality is in the character in the book? Um, that scene that I discussed earlier uh -huh. happened. I don't think she was a, I don't, she, yeah, she, I think she was a flower. That scene happened and that helped me give reality to this world by having this one scene where a girl's complaining about a very mundane, normal world thing. Mm -hmm. But the character that she uh, becomes over the course of this, no, no, they're, they're very different. They're, yeah. they're, they're very different. Cool. Jacob is uh, the, the father who was actually a little boy in the first book um, and makes an appearance at the very end of the second book. Um, he's now he's now uh, an adult and is like he's like thirty. Um, he uh, he he has some some similarities to me, you know. Gotcha. Like I, I look at a situation and I might be thinking oh, I'm going to write him being really brave, but then he like totally freaks out and hides in the corner. I'm like, well, that's what I would do, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So you know, and then he has to become brave, perhaps even more brave than I might be as the story progresses. But I find him he was originally not supposed to be quite as cowardly. As he ended up being, there's a scene outside the, in this it's cave, the lip of the cave, and this something is attacking these other hunters. And at the beginning of that scene, he hides. 
and he has to force mm-hmm. himself to, to to get up and and do something. Sounds like me on a Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so you know, but there's always little pieces of people I know or, or or myself or my my kids or somewhere in there somewhere in this book. But no, the Sarah character, Sarah Anderson, is is very different than my daughter. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Thankfully, because Sarah Anderson really goes to the ring. <laughs> <laughs> she does. Yeah. 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 Um. Cool, Matt. So um, I, I know that we only got a, a few minutes left here. What are you, I, you already told told us what your next plan is, but where can we find you like in person? Are we going to see you in more of these cons? What's what's up next on the calendar? Uh, Alien, Con, I'm sorry, uh, LA Comic Con in December, which okay. is I think December 3rd is our next one. Okay. We are going to start looking into San Diego for the following year. Yeah. Those tables are thousands of dollars and we have to have a lot of stock for that. Cause I mean, it's, you go from 75,000 people at, at, at LA to a half a million at, at San Diego, you know, we have to, we'd have to have a lot of stock. So now that we have the trilogy done, that is something that my wife is discussing and I are discussing for next year or the year after. Um, but for this year, it, it's LA Con, um, Comic-Con in December 3rd. That's our next one. Okay. Very nice. So we can find this book on Amazon. Where else yes. can we find it? You can get it on all. I mean, you can get Barnes & Noble and all that stuff. But I always shop at Amazon. I, I've never mm-hmm. tried any of these other websites, so I always just recommend Amazon. You get it in a couple days and, you know, that's it. So, um, yeah, you can get Amazon. Um, you can look up just my name, Doug Brody, or you can look up Doug Brody, the ship ships, revenge or, or children of the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, everybody, uh, not only go get the book and read it, but also give Doug a rating on Amazon. Oh, that, please do. That helps that's him out. More valuable tremendously. Than anything I could, <laughs> you know, seriously, I mean, that's more valuable than the, three bucks or whatever I get for each book. Like, yeah. Like everything. Cause well, if, if I know anything about Amazon, that, that kind of carries its own currency on, on its visibility in the searches. Yes, it does. That's, that's why, that's yeah. why it's so important. Absolutely. You know, even sometimes when you get some bad reviews, it does help the aggregation or aggr- whatever it is. Engagement. Not that I'm suggesting I want any bad reviews. I'm just saying that, that every review does help mm-hmm. move, move the, the needle, you know? So, yeah. I mean, if you're going to leave a bad review, make it the shit sandwich. Have you ever heard of the shit sandwich there, bro- Doug? <laughs> no, and don't give them ideas. That's no. terrible. No. <laughs> Good reviews. Good All reviews right, well, only. Good reviews hey, only. Hey. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's shit sandwich. <laughs> so you say something nice. You say the, the part you're going to say, and then you, and you end it with something nice. shit sandwich, at least give it five stars. And call yes. It yes. Five stars. <laughs> you didn't let please me finish, don't, Doug. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I actually read these things. Please don't. <laughs> no. Listen, if you actually read the book, there's no reason for you to give it a bad review. Oh, that's nice. See there? See, you see how it did there? So, <laughs> 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 well, I'm excited to uh, to read it uh, come June when the audiobook comes out. Um, I've loved the way that it's uh, being narrated. Um, the uh, what's his name again? Zachary Johnson. He's Zachary. Jo- he he does a great job at it. He um, it's just a consistent, nice flow. He really embodies the tone of the characters when he's reading their quotes, what they're saying throughout it. So um, uh, um and and. Not only do I personally uh, do it in, in in audiobook form, I do it in 1.5 speed. So his uh, his voice really does well in 1.5 speed. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> I've never listened to the book that way. I wouldn't know what that would sound like. I, I know it's that Steph Steph listens to her books in that 
in that speed, don't you? There are. Okay, look, there's some books that are read very slowly, so I'll have to speed it up just so it's in like a normal time because I usually, when I read a book, I'm reading faster than usually what other, like if I... If I'm comparing it to an audiobook, mm. I'll read faster than what I'm listening to. So if if an audiobook is too slow, I have to speed it up. And sometimes it sounds like a chipmunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, see, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I couldn't do that. I always just listen to it at the regular speed, and you know, uh, if it grabs me, it grabs me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the, the narration has such a big impact on whether or not you're going to enjoy that book. Yeah, because right. it could be a great book, but if the narration is just there's something about it that's bothering you, then, then you know. Yeah, no, he's great. He's great. I, I, I really enjoy his his cadence throughout the entire yeah. book. Yeah, cool. It's awesome. Well, uh, Doug, Doug, it's been uh, it's been another slice of heaven here having you on the show. Uh, it wouldn't be the last. That's for that's for damn sure. I hope that we oh, continue this so partnership much. here. Um, and uh, and you know we'll we'll look forward to seeing you at that LA Comic Con. If there's yeah, any, hopefully late, hopefully you'll be there. I, I will probably have Leia there on a Saturday. So if you guys swing by on Saturday, you can, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll plan on it. We have a big image of her alien face, you know, um, um, a big banner that she stood in front of with a lot of people taking pictures. So, right on. Any last uh, questions there, Steph? Thank you for letting us be a part of this uh, trilogy and this journey. And um, yeah, just keep us updated with everything. Yeah, we're fans. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Big fans. Oh, thanks so much. I really do appreciate it. When you're an indie guy, you know, every every person matters. Every every reader matters. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Well, everybody, this has been Doug Brody, uh, author of The Ship, The Ship's Revenge, and Children of the Ship. Go to Amazon. Go get it now. And most importantly, give it five stars and give it a nice comment for that engagement that uh, any indie artist uh, so sorely needs. So um, help help us out. Help him out. And then everybody's happy, man. And you're, and these are great books. So you're gonna you're gonna enjoy them anyway. You are. Thank yes. you. Thank you so much. All right, Doug. Thanks again. Bye. Well, Foos, on today's episode of the Foo Bar Show, we have musical maestro joining us who knows how to bring the groove to the beats and the chill to the vibes. Please give a warm welcome to the incredibly talented Aaron Turner. What's up, Aaron? Thank you very much. Yeah, Hello. nothing much. No, Sunday, drinking some protein coffee. There you go. Healthy. What's a protein yeah. coffee? You put meat um, in it? So <laughs> there's a plant-based protein I found on Amazon. Oh. Essentially, you just mix like chocolate protein cold brew and like almond milk and you mix it up and like it's super healthy for you and it's like hella good sounds tasty as hell man yeah it sounds refreshing yeah. actually <laughs> 25 grams of protein there you go right on right on hey yeah. so we we uh we came to know of you by uh steph going to a crystal nostalgia show over in where was it little uh, tokyo little tokyo yeah, yeah. it was at yeah. the at the high tide over there how long ago was this um we went to the i went to the first ever one uh which was yeah. back in april yeah. Yeah. So it was it was pretty fun, and it was it was a pleasure to meet uh, Aaron there. Uh, you were walking by, just introducing yourself to everybody. And I was like, you know what this this event is pretty cool. You know, it had a cool vibe. You know, nice and chill. Um, you know, everybody was dancing, having a good time, and uh, I wanted to invite you on the the pod to see um, to pick your brain a little bit. You know, yeah, about thank the you event. Very much. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, man. Thanks for coming and thanks for inviting me. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I got a chance to check out some of your stuff and it's really, really chill. Like I can find myself just taking a handful of shrooms <laughs> by a pool <laughs> and just mad chill into these vibes, man. Um, they're very relaxing and they're very fun to listen to in particular. Um, now you go by a couple of monikers, right? Yeah, I go by a lot of monikers. Well, tell, tell us about them. Yeah, so my two main ones, so I probably have like six in total of uh-huh. different names I've used, but the two main ones as of right now are Avisceral and Groovy Kaiju. Uh, Avisceral is what I've been running by for a long time. It's mm-hmm. just like lo-fi hip-hop beats, but before lo-fi, I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but before lo-fi hip-hop was lo-fi hip-hop, me and my buddies would just take piano samples and just throw some drums on them and like, uh-huh. it was just chill. And then it like blew up like, you know, years after we were doing it for a while on like Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Um, and then Groovy Kaiju is more of that fun, like dancey, future funk stuff that I got into from just making beats and getting better and better at sampling. Uh-huh. I eventually it like led into that. Um, and as that started on the internet, I kind of just like hopped on and started hanging out. And yeah, now I've been doing music for half my life, just about yeah. like 14 years, I think. So yeah. Nice, dude. Now you said you started off using like GarageBand. Uh, what, what software are you into these days now that you're more advanced in your skills? Yeah, so I played with GarageBand a little bit, mm-hmm. but mostly it's been FL Studio my whole okay. life. Um, I used to play with one called like Linux Multimedia Studio, which is like an open source version of FL Studio. But uh-huh. once uh, a buddy's dad gave me a copy of FL, I've just been running with that since I was like 14. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, shoot, I, I'm not I'm not even bagging on uh, GarageBand. We use GarageBand Garage to record this podcast, you know, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're not GarageBand's- above it. Yeah, GarageBand's dope. T-Pain used to use GarageBand, and I think they still do to this day. Like, yeah? Yeah. I mean, you really just need that T-Pain plug-in, right? That auto-tune. Yeah. <laughs> Set it to 100, <laughs> and you're done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, h- how did you come up with stage names like Groovy Kaiju and Avisceral? Because uh, I don't expect you to know this, but we're huge fans of Godzilla and the Kaiju <laughs> universe. Yeah. So, you. like, how'd you come up with that? Yeah. So, Groovy Kaiju in particular... Um, I came up with it because I was already making beats as a visceral. And then I was in college at the time. I was with my college roommate. Their name is Daniel. Mm-hmm. They go by NetNavi musically. They also make beats. But um, there, I was like, oh, you know, I'm doing this future funk thing. I don't think I should I should do it under a different name. I mean, visceral stuff because it's way different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, how about the name Pixel Beach, which is a horrible name. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was like, nah, that doesn't really work. And he was like thinking for a little bit. And he's like, dude, you like Godzilla. Why not Groovy Godzilla? And I was like, yo, that's the name. So uh, I ran with Groovy Godzilla for the longest time. And then it wasn't until my stuff started getting pressed with labels and stuff that I was like, I don't want someone to get sued because Mm. of my funny joke name. Mm -hmm. So I changed to Kaiju because I checked the U.S. trademark office and there's no trademark on Kaiju. So I was like, that's the same thing. Um, and one of my fans happened to work in like branding and they're like, oh, that's, that's a good branding move for you. And I was like, cool. So, uh. Yeah, then I ended up on Groovy Kaiju. Yeah, it's not so, bad. Actually, you know, you had to let go yeah. of the alliteration of Groovy Godzilla, but yeah, it it rings so much better. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, so yeah, right on. But the real ones now, so that's that's really what matters, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So, what would you say is your favorite part about you know creating music? Like when you're when you're going into creating a new beat. Um, do you sort of have like an outline or do you have like a, like a feel for it? Like more like a feeling. So, um, it's interesting. Cause back in the day when I first started, it was a lot of just like, Oh, my dad used to play this song. Uh, let me see if I can add some drums on it and like make it sound like more internet-y. 
and then like started doing that. But these days, um, I still do use a lot of samples, but these days, a lot of it is like finding a sample, mm-hmm. playing with it. And then I'm like, what does this remind me of, of my childhood? And maybe that's like one third of it. And once I kind of click on that, then I just go straight in that direction and just kind of like really morph it into that sound. So like one of my most popular songs is called Orca Adventure DX. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, the sample is from like a producer loops royalty free thing. It's from like a gospel like church, like, yeah, you know, like, you know, just yeah. black church, just people getting down. Um, but then I was like, this really reminds me of Sonic Adventure, just the way the music sounds in yeah. this particular scene in the game. So what I did in the background is I added a bunch of Dreamcast, console whirring sounds, added a bunch of like sonic key effects, added some ocean waves in the level of Sonic you referred to mm-hmm. was an ocean level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that, funnily enough, like other people caught on to that. And now there's like some Sonic modding YouTube that was like, oh, this song fits perfect for my mod. And like now I'm in like a Sonic mod because someone else got it just by <laughs> adding those sick. elements and really taking it to that place. So a lot of it is like finding a sample, what does it remind me of and how does it, you know, relate to me? Yeah. And then putting that extra like last seventy percent of like myself into it and like vibes that like I grew up with and stuff. Very cool, man. You know, that reminds me, a lot of artists do a version of what you just explained. You know, for those who are just starting out, um uh, one like I guess hack or tool that an artist can use uh, is to take an existing song and just try to play maybe a bridge that's a, a tangent to the same key or chord progression that's going on and come up with your own song from there. So mm-hmm. to listen to you just explain that is like the electronic version of yeah. of, of, of what uh, other artists do, which is really interesting. Uh, I've done that a couple of times with a couple of the songs that I've written and um, it's really helpful, at least if you don't know where to start. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I remember like audio slave talking about how they used to play a bunch of like ACDC, um, and stuff like that. And then turn that into an audio slave song. So yeah, yeah. Pretty that, cool. In, if you don't mind, like, I guess to maybe also add to your point. Uh-huh. Um, so I went to Cal state long beach out here in like SoCal mm-hmm. and I took one jazz. I'm a computer science major, but I took one jazz history course with Ray Briggs yeah. and, uh, they talked about back in the jazz days, they used to do this thing called quoting. And essentially, you know, to this day, so you can't copyright chord progressions, but mm-hmm. you can copyright melodies. So what they would do is that um, a lot of jazz songs, they would take like pop songs at the time yeah. and play the chord progression, but then play the melody maybe like three times faster with like one note change. Ah. So people still got it, but they like understood also in this new context of jazz and it's like, oh, whoa, this is like way different of this pop, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's been going on since time as music has been. <laughs> yeah, and you and you find that in a lot of uh, yeah. comedy parodies too. Like yeah, if you want to if you want to do a parody on a song and you don't want to get sued, you just like change maybe the a key or a simple chord progression. Uh, but mm-hmm. people kind of know what you're talking about, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Right on. Yeah, um, I think we got a couple songs that. Oh, you want to yeah. start playing some songs? All right, sure. All right, let's play. Uh, let's see. Well, the first one on here is off of your uh, groovy kaiju moniker. This one is Orca Adventure DX. Let's take a listen. Oh, 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 
Hell yeah. That was Orca Adventure DX, man, by Groovy Kaiju. Uh, consider my ass shaken. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was dope, man. That was a Thank good you. beat right there. Mm-hmm. I definitely got the Sonic vibes from that. So Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. So you, you were like influenced by like a lot of those old Sega games, anime style growing yeah. up. Yeah, you can hear that oh, for yeah. sure. I love it. Um, speaking of which, um, how did you come up with the Crystal Nostalgia event? If we can move into that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so pretty much it's a long story. <laughs> Let me try to think of the <laughs> quickest. I don't know. Pretty much, uh, short story long. Doing, yeah. You try <laughs> uh, so, from doing all the groovy stuff, kind of like live shows is like the final boss of like music marketing. Because, like, if you think about it, Asking someone to like follow you on Spotify, that takes them five seconds, sure. Mm-hmm. Ask them to buy like a CD or a shirt. Okay, that's money they worked maybe two, three hours to get enough money to buy. But yeah. to go to a show, it's like you're asking them to buy gas, invite their friends, get food beforehand, pay for the ticket, get something out. You know, that's like a huge ask. So right. um, Crystal Nostalgia was kind of like, okay, what is the the last level of like doing Ruby Kaiju marketing um, and getting that set up? So I came up with the name in particular. I originally wanted to call it Cherry Blossom no. just to really get that like very vaporwave, very like anime aesthetic. Yeah. But uh, I was talking to my buddy Frank Javsey, who's like very big YouTuber, influencer, music person. Um, mm-hmm. We hang out all the time. And mm-hmm. I told him this name. I gave him the list of names. And they were like, you should call it out of all the names. He like Chris Nostalgia the most because he was like, because then I could play Y2K music. And I was like, all right, yeah, cool. Man. There you go. Uh, and then to our favor, it worked out because now people love the mix of like, okay, I'm dancing to some anime song and then it's like better off alone. Someone like, you know, everyone like, ah, like lose their minds. <laughs> Cause it's like, that's what people are nostalgic for right now. So yeah. yeah. So that's how that name came about because mixing of the two. Yeah. Speaking of you have, it's not just you playing these events. You have other uh, DJs and creators there with you. Have you ever considered any kind of collaboration? And if you've already have, like what kind of collaborations have you been a part of? Yeah, um, with them in particular, I did a remix for Frank Jaffsey in the past. Um, mm-hmm. And like our original lineup was like pretty much. So it's Christmas Nostalgia just run by me and All Hell Breaks Loops. Mm-hmm. All Hell Breaks Loops is like very big in like the anime visual scene. Like um, in terms of like, you know, all the anime conventions, they have dance parties. Uh-huh. He's usually the guy VJing if okay. like they flew someone out because he's like the guy for it. Um, so we run it together. Um, and our first original lineup was uh, Frank Jaffsey. Uh, Funk Fiction and a pack of Newports. So Frank FC, I've already done a remix for Funk Fiction. They're very famous in composing for games. They just did a song for. Uh, oh no, uh, no, it's no, oh no, I remember. No, uh, it's like it's a new game that came out. It was on the Nintendo Direct. It's okay. like a frisbee like sports game. Oh, he's gonna be so upset. But anyways, he, his song is amazing. I have the feeling. We're man. hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, him and James and Dino work on it. But we're gonna hopefully do a collab soonish. Um, okay. Their birthday's coming up, so I'm probably gonna poke him again and be like, hey, "So uh, we still doing that?" And then a pack of Newports. They're from the Arizona like vaporwave scene, and we hang out all the time. They're kind of slowing down on music, but I'm sure we'll work on something together. So. I love yeah. that name, a pack of Newports. Yeah, it's super <laughs> random. They, That's pretty. If you guys dope. Don't know them. They're a very interesting person, cool. all, in all the good ways. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, I think for the Christmas nostalgia event, it couldn't have been. It, it was at the perfect spot, right? Little Tokyo, yeah. and it was just the right side. The venue was just the right size. It wasn't like, like a you know super tiny. You couldn't move around, cramped. It was it was like the Goldilocks of venues 
like it was literally like the perfect spot so yeah thank yeah, you yeah, yeah we worked working for venues was so hard in la you have no clue oh yeah uh, yeah it was, it was so hard and high tide was the one we really wanted from day one um and we emailed them but it took them a long time for them to give us a chance like or like not to give us a chance but just to, like get the email back of like mm-hmm. you want to do anime dance part sure fine we'll see how it goes and then we just crushed it <laughs> they were like whoa <laughs> where do you come from um but yeah just one quick story i tried to book another venue um in the past and i would email them like once a month like please 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 i i think we could really do something special here and they were mm-hmm. like either no reply or like oh, we'll see and my buddy of mine um they do a lot of mixing and mastering for like navy blue and a bunch of like hip-hop artists uh-huh. and there was a show where earl sweatshirt showed up to support him i was sitting next to earl sweatshirt and i was like can i book your venue and they're like oh yeah of course just email this and they still told me no and i was like what are you are you kidding me that's how i for kidding? you yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was a grind but then now us and high tide have like a great relationship and it's going great so far so yeah yeah. Nice. Have you ever considered doing um, like a mishmash of of because you know you're doing your genres, but there's also like a video game genre of bands that do that either play their own music that talks about video games or some like a DJ that uses like an actual eight bit NES couldn't hooked up with his DJ stuff. Or are you also looking to incorporate stuff like that? Yeah, so that's something actually we're hoping to test pretty soon. Um, so, uh, but uh, you know, so this Funk Fiction guy, they worked on again. I can't remember the name of the game. But <laughs> <laughs> it's I think the music lead was James Landino, and they're also really big in the anime convention, like and video game convention scene where they'll play DJ sets, a lot of video game based uh-huh. stuff. So uh, we were hoping to, we, you know, we're friends, and I don't, want, I don't, I don't want to commit them to anything just <laughs> right here, right now. But put them on blast right it. now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we talked about it already, and they said they were down to play. So we're hoping to get them to play. See if we'll respond to that video game, like maybe sound at the show. Mm-hmm. And if they like it, then maybe we'll bring on more video game type folks. Because it's in this tier point. It's in the same vibe. So I'm sure people will like sort it. Sort of, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's it worth testing, mm-hmm. and then go from there. Yeah, yeah. We have a. I have an old friend from high school who has this uh, group called Video Game. Oh, no, it's just called Game Music for All, game and music, and yeah. he puts oh, together. Oh, I know them. Yeah, that's yeah, you funny. know Anthony. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've known yeah, him. So he, I went to high school with him. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So, uh, oh I know my he, god, he's this been... circle <laughs> narrows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. So uh, he's been doing a lot of these events, and uh, he's uh, he also goes uh he goes by Video Game Music for All. Uh, yeah. and uh, Mode 7. Yep, Mode 7. I was just mentioning that, yeah. And so, uh, I mean, if you guys can collab at some point, that'd be dope. Yeah, we were uh, hoping to do something. And they mm-hmm. also go by DJ Genoboost, yep. I remembered. That's him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I was supposed to play an anime con with them, but I had a bunch of people coming from out of town. But I've gone to a few of their shows and say, like, hey, dude, good to see you. Because we've like talked over the internet for like years. And mm-hmm. then now we kind of like live closest to each other. So it's like... Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, we're all the, we know each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's a small world, dude. It's a small it's world. It's a small world. Yeah. <laughs> cool, dude. Uh, so what's next? What's next with you? Um, uh, is there another Christian nostalgia event coming up? Yeah. So the next one is we're working on the flyer for it right now, June 24th. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I think after June 24th, we have July 22nd and then we have August, I think 26th, I, I, you know, okay. so you once a month to any of them. Yeah, once a month we got a residency. So after we, the first one did so good, they were like, "Do you want to do more?" We we're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. So like, let's just get one every month. And I was like, cool. So 
Yeah. That's really dope, man. Well, I wanted to play the other song that you um, that you brought forth here from uh, Groovy Kaiju. This one's called Take Me Ban Take Me Back to Shinjuku. Yes. That's groovy, man. 
That's rude. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am ready to dance. <laughs> is that you on vocals there, or uh, who is that? It's from a sample. I got uh, the sample from Tracklib. It's this person named Al Narigba. They're like a Hawaiian disco artist. Okay. Um, funnily enough, though, because I got the sample through Tracklib, there's a, the record label still exists to this day. And uh, they actually sell my record and they're like label owned record store because they were like, dude, you flipped this so good. And I was like, <gasps> oh, thank you. So, yeah. Tight. So I got got props from the original artist and everything. And so. that's off your album called Destroy All Monsters, which is, you know... Uh, yeah. a, a nice mm-hmm. little uh, little uh, wink to uh, to the kaiju universe there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right on. Well, um, let's see here. Uh, you've performed that at, uh, at the venue we've been talking about here, but uh, any any ideas of playing with un- other venues? Maybe making some relationships throughout LA or outside of LA. Um. So right now we've been talking about Crystal stuff just because it's going good. And the second show, I mean, we sold that one out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Memorial Day, the numbers slumped a little bit. It looked like, or at least in terms of like the the presale. Like so last time, presale sold out the day before. This yeah. time, it sold out like day of. So we're gonna stick there for a little bit. And honestly. Running a show is so much work, dude. I don't even think I have time or mental <laughs> brain space to even consider. You need like, a team moving. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, at least in LA, we're going to stay there for you know who knows how long. But once maybe I don't know. We'll talk to the venue. We'll figure it out. Especially because they're starting to like I don't know. They they're like we love you guys. <laughs> it's been going good. Yeah. Uh, but in terms for me, I've been trying to play like all hell breaks loops. Tyler, I think they're in Dallas right now doing like an anime convention doing visuals and stuff. Uh-huh. And then for me, I have a good relationship with the folks in Phoenix. They play at places like Thunderbird Lounge out in Phoenix. So I play there maybe maybe like once every other season or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, used, I used to play a show in Seattle before, and I have buddies in New York. I will see. I don't know. It's just shows come and go. It all depends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we started off uh, the interview by, well, you did at least, by talking about how the the genre has become what it has become throughout the years. And where do you see the genre going to from here? Because people are very innovative with what you guys are doing right now. With the new technologies, even with like AI being what it is right now, what's it, what it's becoming, what do you, you think is going to go down? Yeah, um, that's a very interesting question. Uh, at least the genre right now, I think, is bigger than people most people realize. Mm-hmm. But it's it's interesting because it's it's not the, the genre is like you know to your point so fun and groovy. It's easy to sell anyone of like you should check out this future funk show because mm-hmm. it's gonna be a fun time, and they go and they have a fun time. So like yeah. even if they aren't like a future funk fan, they're like oh this is cool, we'll go check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of that, I think there is a lot of space for it to grow in the live scene. Um, and then to your point about like the way it's produced and like AI and stuff, I think personally, I think there's going to hit a point where AI gets good enough to just generate samples and then people are going to go ahead and do that. I don't think personally, at least I don't think AI music will really blow up because right now it's novel. So like yeah. the Drake AI songs blew up just because it was made with AI. Right. But when everyone can do it, what's the story you made it with AI, like everyone else, like people, yeah. I think music is it's, the music itself is just as important as the story and the context around it. Yeah, so, I, I always say when everybody has superpowers, nobody has superpowers. Yeah, you there know? you go. Yeah, so yeah. It's just one of those things. But uh, very cool, dude. Well, we expect at least I do. Now that I've been turned on to what you've been up to, um, we I expect to go check out your shows. 
yeah, coming up you. here. Um, I hope that a lot of our listeners do too. Um, now, before we close this out, please tell everybody where they can find you, websites, Instagram, whatever. Throw it yeah, out. Yeah, so honestly, best way to find me with all my links is groovykaiju.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for Chris and Nostalgia, just chrisandnostalgia.com. It'll take you to each respective link tree, and I have a link to everything on there. So it's easy to remember. Very cool. And and, and <laughs> yeah. the link tree can take you to Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon all Music, all that good stuff. So check them yep. out, man. If you are feeling a little, even just a little bit groovy, uh, even if <laughs> yeah. you have just a small handful of shrooms, uh, I mean, just, you know, whatever puts you in that vibe, please go check out uh, Aaron Turner's uh, music here, Kristen Nostalgia, all that good stuff. And uh, and yeah, man, thank you for being on the show. This was a, this was a slice of heaven. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Right on, brother. Thank you. There's only so much that I can do without people saying that, you know, now you're fat shaming Lizzo. I wanted to, in an unrelated fashion, um, <laughs> I wanted to just revisit the the a line of comedy, a brand of comedy that, um, you know, I think somebody who's an, uh, a young teenager would enjoy. At least I did when I was a young child. Yo mama jokes. Hell yeah. Specifically, yo mama so fat jokes. Dude, so you want to go down this list with me here, Steph? We, yes, we heard your mama jokes almost every single day throughout. It was an ele- art. Elementary school, middle school, high school, even in college. Still had your mama jokes. We still say them. <laughs> I, I still say them. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking so ridiculous. So let's, uh, apparently, uh, let's see. This is off of bestlifeonline.com. And these are the best Yo Mama jokes, according to them. You want to start it off with number one here? <clears throat> Yo Mama's so fat, when she fell, I didn't laugh, but the sidewalk cracked up. <laughs> hey, Steph. What? Yo Mama's so fat. That when she skips a meal, the star the stock market drops. <gasps> well, your mom was so fat, it took me two buses and a train to get to her good side. <laughs> well, your mom was so fat, when she goes camping, the bears hide their food. What the fuck, dude? Your mom is so fat, if she buys a fur coat, the whole species will become extinct. <laughs> I've never heard that one. Your mom was so fat, she stepped on a scale and it said, to be continued. (laughs) Your mom was so fat, I sort of missed her in my car and ran out of gas. (laughs) (laughs) Your mom was so fat that when she wears high heels, she strikes oil. Ho, ho, ho. Well, your mom was so fat, she was overthrown by a small militia group and now she's known as the Republic of Your Mom. Your mom's so fat, not even Dora can explore her. <gasps> Your mom's so fat, she gets group insurance. <laughs> Your mom's so fat, she went to KFC and the cashier asked what size bucket she wanted. And she said, the one on the roof. For <laughs> <laughs> this one. Your mom's so big, her belt size is equator. <laughs> Your mom's so fat when she talks to herself, it's a long distance call. <laughs> Your mom was so fat, she left in high heels and came back in flip flops. <laughs> Your mom was so fat that when she hauls ass, she has to make two trips. <laughs> Your mom was so fat, her job title is spoon and fork operator. <laughs> 
Your mom was so fat, Steph, that when she walked past the TV, I missed three episodes. <laughs> Your mom was so fat when she sits around the house. She sits around the house. <laughs> Your mom was so fat. Her car has stretch marks. <laughs> Your mom was so fat. She can't even jump to a conclusion. <laughs> Her mom, your mom was so fat. Her blood type is ragu. Ooh. Your mom was so fat. If she was a Star Wars character, her name would be Admiral Snackbar. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see, last one here. Your mom was so fat, Steph, that she bought a spoon. She brought a spoon to the Super Bowl. <laughs> nice. Oh, I like that, Admiral Snackbar. <laughs> There's also other kinds of Yo Mama jokes. If you remember, like the Yo Mama So Stupid, Yo Mama So uh, Poor, there was those. Yeah. Yo Mama So, um, let's see here. Uh, your Mama's a, a Slut. Your Mama's Such a Slut. That was a, that was a, it's I don't own rem- brand. I don't remember like, those Like I remember uh, the one that comes to mind is Your Mama is Such a Slut. They call her the vacuum cleaner. She sucks blows and gets laid in the closet. Oh, shit. Yeah, there's, yeah that's now that's one. coming back. I, or your mom was so dumb really that um, on her way to Disney, she saw a sign that said Disneyland left, so she went home. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Those are so dumb. <laughs> Today, we're joined by someone who skillfully blends the realms of rap and video game music going by the name of Mode 7. Say what's up, man. Oh, it's time for me now. Yeah, what's up, hello, Anthony? How hello. you doing? Oh, I'm uh, doing here, great. We'll, we'll give you one of these here. Welcome. I'm glad <laughs> we have, we've been able to pack a lot of people into this little studio. <laughs> you know, it's not easy. <laughs> well, let me just say a few other things. When he's out there DJing events as DJ Gino Boost, and he's also the founder of uh, Game Music for All, he adds a distinctive touch to the scene of video game music. So, Anthony, what's up? Uh, nothing, just making music, uh, watching too much anime instead of watching... No such thing as too much anime, <laughs> sir. Oh, I watch anime and I beg to defer. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would you, uh, what would you consider too much? Um, when you're watching shows that you don't actually like, but you still... <laughs> you hate watching at some point or what? Well, it's interesting the way anime is set up because unlike... You know, it's like a new season of TV. We don't really get that anymore here because yeah. we have streaming services, right. you know? Yeah. Um, so basically every like 12 weeks is a new anime season. And then it's kind of like a gauntlet. Like what? I'm going to watch the first episode of a bunch of terrible shows. <laughs> <laughs> but two or three of them are going to have like a hook yeah. in the first okay. episode, right? Yeah. That are like, okay, I'll watch the next episode. <laughs> and then like they slowly drop like flies. It's like a... It's like a tournament, kind of, and like the only the good shows come to the top. Okay. But at the beginning of the season, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's it's a mess. <laughs> we just finished, uh, as many people did, and I, I'll ask you if you saw the last episode of Attack on Titan. No. <laughs> okay. Are you? Are, do you watch Attack on Titan? I haven't watched it since I think the second season. You're a smart man. Wow. I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> they've. <laughs> fucked with us for the last what couple of years oh my god with this final season yeah i thought the final season happened like two years ago at, at no. least at 
released or the beginning of because the there season? was a there was a final season or as i like to call the finaru season mm-hmm. uh uh like part one and then there was like uh oh this is not the this is not the last you've heard of the final season there was like another season's worth of this final season <laughs> and then you had to wait for the last episode like a, what a year and a half for that one yeah or no, 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 no. Uh, nine months. Oh, yeah, it was nine months. Yeah. And then... Felt like a year now. <laughs> and then it just came out. Came out uh, about a week ago. And in uh, that that last episode was really three episodes because it was like a 90-minute thing. Oh, so it's kind of like a f- movie finale. Like a movie finale. Yeah. But goddamn, dude, don't call it a final season. I mean, how many times does like Kiss have to break up, you know? <laughs> It's one of those things. <laughs> it's the final farewell tour. Yeah, the farewell season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for fuck's sake. Like, just... All right, anyway. But yeah, they were dicking us around for a while. <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty happy with... I mean, I don't. I didn't read the manga, but uh, I, I'm told it's just like the manga. I compared notes with some of my coworkers who did read it, and they said, oh, it's the same thing. Because they're not watching the anime anymore at this point. Yeah, I, so I, I just like... I just recapped the last episode or movie whatever and they're just like yep that's pretty much what happens yeah Yeah. good yeah good well then i don't have to read it anymore you never would yeah i never would anyway so (laughs) what animes are you watching right Uh, now i think the biggest one of course is uh jujutsu kaisen oh you guys are watching that one no it's it's on my list yeah this new season because uh they had the first season about two years ago and uh their seasons are 24 episodes Mm. And so the first season was like really good. It's like a good mixture of your, uh, what is it, like shonen anime mm-hmm. with like, you know, battles and all that. Yeah. But like with a lot of like horror elements, it's like feels like very adult in that way. Like there's like a lot of horror to the, yeah. the kind of enemies they fight. Okay. Um, and now the second season, they've really like cranked it up a notch. Like if you like the first season, the second season, like it really feels like one of those shows where it's like all bets are off Mm -hmm. this season kind of (gasps) Mm -hmm. like like the threats are like so like not well yeah big but also so varied that you can't really like anyone could come out on top of like these battles and stuff yeah so it's like been a really fascinating season and it's kind of like the same as attack on titan not nearly as bad but they kind of broke it up too like they had the first six episodes of the season Mm -hmm. and then there were like some recap episodes before like the second half of the season really got things going okay but a lot like but like yeah so there's like a lot of background in the first half of this season but like it all really starting to tie together at this point okay i think there's like maybe six or seven more episodes for this season Mm -hmm. nice but yeah if you like your you you know your typical battle anime like uh dragon ball z and all and one piece and naruto this really like this is for the people that grew up with that. It's like really feels like an adult, not more adult, because I don't want to say those ones were childish, mm-hmm. but like something more sensible, like more a little more rated R mm-hmm. for people with those sensibilities. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. For the elder millennials? Yeah. Have you, have you ever seen uh, Yu Yu Hakusho? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. probably one of my top favorites. Would you say it's similar to that? I Jiu-Jitsu? think so, because I actually went back to watch Yu Yu Hakusho with uh my niece uh maybe a year or two ago and 
I was surprised looking back, like how like dark that show is, like especially yeah. around the beginning when Yusuke like gets hit by the car. Yeah, he dies immediately. <laughs> yeah, but I like the way they play, like the way they play all of it mm-hmm. is like very, very like deep and serious. Like the way everyone handles his uh, his death yeah. in the beginning episode is mm-hmm. like really stark. Like yeah. compared to like like really lighthearted ways the animes start these days yeah. yeah and i like that i like that take um so it kind of brings like the adult audience um into the animes a little bit more like, yeah 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 there you have it you haven't seen any of this have no. you no and i have access to all of this <laughs> like i can readily just start watching because we uh i um i pay a dude that i know for access to his server um uh through the plex app and uh i I could watch all of this i just don't because i'm busy (laughs) you're he's really only watching anime if it's on because i'm watching it right yeah (laughs) like demon slayer i I enjoy what i see yeah it's just out of context because i've missed you know big chunks of what's going on Mm -hmm. uh but anyway um i mean one of the first animes i remember you really being into was flcl Oh yeah! Back in the day, you even had a you even had a zip up with FLCL on it back in high school, and that's where we met. Uh, we met um, when I was a freshman. You were a sophomore at Nogales High here in La Puente, not here in La Puente, but over there in La Puente, um, and through the wrestling team. Oh yeah, yeah, and we connected for uh, from our love of music. We we liked a lot of the same stuff, like you know, at the drive in Rage Against the Machine. At that time, Audio Slave was coming out. We listened to a lot of that. Um, and then uh, one thing, I've mentioned you quite a few times on this podcast throughout the years, Anthony. Oh, thank because you. Because we've, um, uh, you know, you, you were the first bassist of the first band I was ever in. We were in a band called Hamahoy. And can you explain to the audience what Hamahoy is? It was a band that I named just through sheer uh, pushiness, I guess. <laughs> it was it's pork rinds it's a brand of pork rinds from the simpsons a very obscure reference of the episode of when homer gets fat and he's just reaching for shit in the in the supermarket one of those things and it only comes out for like a split second is uh, a hat like this 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 jar of pork rinds and a pig yelling out hamahoy <laughs> and you know funny enough if you go to universal studios hollywood if you go to the quickie mart one of the things in the in the window is hamahoy <laughs> and like, of all the things you could have put on the window at the quickie mart you know in universal studios hollywood it's right there our band's influence continues through the <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Dude, Agreed. They're, they're missing a golden opportunity for them to actually sell the chips. I know. Hamoy. I know. It's just pork rinds. It's, for just, fuck's sake. it's just like the comic shop is not real at Universal Studios. Yeah. They can literally <laughs> just sell all comics. All the Simpsons, Simpsons comics, comics could be sold at that comic Active shop. Man comics. Like they, it's a missed oh. opportunity mm-hmm. for sure. Universal, if you're listening to you're this, fucking up. make it happen. You're fucking up. Get your shit together. Get it together. <laughs> fuck's sake. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, um, let's see. What else happened in high school? That's about it. No. Uh, 
<laughs> no, I mean, after high school, you know, because of our love of Rage Against the Machine, another story that I've told, and I've recently told on another podcast last week because I was on um, the Fun Never Ends podcast with Nelson. Hell I, yeah. I, I still like to call it the Fun Never Ends with Nelson and Friends podcast. He doesn't like to call it that anymore. <sighs> but <laughs> That was a good title. I know. The fuck, Nelson? Um, anyway, uh, uh, you, you'll hear the story of how I'm no longer in the uh, Fallen Electric if you listen to that podcast, by the way. So I'm just directing traffic over there. Find it in all the spaces where fine podcasts are listened to. Um, it, uh, uh, I, I like to tell the story of when you and I met uh, Zach Rocha at the LA Natural History Museum back in, like, what, 2007, nine. Yeah, 2007, I think. Seven. Because we were out of high school already. Yes. and But not too long after that, mm-hmm. because I still had my first uh, truck. And uh, yeah, that was a very surreal experience. It was interesting. I mean, I, I we didn't... We didn't have a photo op with him. At least we were. We tried, but his these handler were, to, took him away. Yeah, these were the flip phone days too. Yeah, yeah. So it would have been a really shitty picture, nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> but um, now you tell me if I'm if I'm skewing the truth here. But the way I remember it was, and I've told this on the pod before where you know we got there really early and and it was thank you anxiety i know <laughs> and well because of traffic we didn't know what to expect we wanted yeah. to get there on this time this was like one of the first times because we live out in the suburbs out here in uh San los Gabriel angeles Valley. county yep. uh so like going in we were going into town going into los angeles city yeah. For this show. Google Maps, Apple Maps. Yeah. Like, nobody was going to give us an ETA. Yeah. All we had was MapQuest. This print was, it out. Yeah, this was print the days out. of printing a sheet of paper <laughs> yeah, right. and needing, like, a wingman to look at it while you drive down these one-way streets in downtown Los Angeles. I hate one-way streets. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so we got there, like, man, like, three hours early. <laughs> it was really early. <laughs> And it was supposed to be Zach Rocha playing with, and, and thank you for t- even knowing about this. You're the one who like texted me saying, you know, Zach Rocha is playing at the LA Natural History Museum with like a Mexican folk band, um, which is weird, but hey, you know, we'll, we'll take it. Yeah, another throwback. I heard about this on the Rage Against the Machine forums on yeah. the internet. Wow. Damn. <laughs> I remember forums. Yeah. People uh, still use those? They used to yeah, use them. It's, it's called, called Reddit now. Oh, I thought it was called oh, uh, yeah. Discord. <laughs> There's that too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Discord. But uh, so we get there and we're like, well, let's go look at some fucking bones, some dinosaur <laughs> bones while we're at it. But um, as we're approaching the museum, we see a guy. Now, at this point, the last image of Zach that we've ever seen was him with his long ass dreads. You know, from that last concert that they had at the Olympic Auditorium. Yeah. Um, and uh, we get there and I see a guy smoking a cigarette, leaning on like a ledge um, towards like one of the rear entrances of the museum. And but he had a fro and I didn't know what to make of it. But the guy looked very familiar. <laughs> and um, and I just remember like nudging you going, hey, and you instantly got the same vibe. And you're like, is that? Is that? So we start walking a little closer and he notices that we're noticing him and he kind of just does this like net, like this nod to us. He's like, what's up? And we're like, what's up? And we talked to him for what? It feels like we talked to him for five minutes. It probably was only what, 45 seconds. 
And what we were asking him about, you know, where what he's been up to. He's been in South America at that point. Do you remember? Yeah, like the specific like details of the conversation are like lost on me. It's just yeah. like the mood. Like I f- I remember that we were waiting out there first before he came out. Like I thought he'd really? come out to like smoke a cigarette while we were like waiting outside. Yeah, because w- I remember it as like we w- we were at like one of the entrances to the museum, uh-huh. but like they hadn't opened the museum yet because we were there so early. Mm-hmm. And there was me, you, and there was another guy. I assume it was like a Mexican guy. It was like a dark skinned guy and his uh, girl with him. I assume it was his girlfriend. Okay, and we were all hanging out there, and then. Uh, Zach comes out to smoke a cigarette, but like you know, no one's really thinking about it. Just like some employee at the yeah <laughs> at the history museum or something. Right. But then like yeah, you nudge me, and then we look at each other, and then I remember looking at the guy across from us, and he like had the same like he had the same vibe, too. right? Like oh <laughs> shit, is that what we think it is? And and one of the main- so we're all like internally like fanboying out. <laughs> <laughs> like and trying to be cool right but like we're all like with our eye contact we all know <laughs> but um we we approach him um and the other guy across i remember that guy and his girl going like i'm sure he regrets it to this day of not not joining us in talking to him but we got a few seconds with zach after a while um you know his handler comes out saying hey we got to go get start getting ready and we're like, can we get a picture? He's like, I, I'm, I'm being taken away, guys. I'm sorry. And then he, and then he leaves. Um, but that was awesome. And then we finally see him play like three or four hours later. So that was an, an experience we'll never have evidence of. <laughs> yeah, those are the. But as long as we can corro- corroborate our stories, yeah, then yeah, <laughs> then it's that. all right. I have witnesses. <laughs> One witness. <laughs> And that guy who will never know who it is, <laughs> but uh, that was cool. And then, uh, and then I saw him at Coachella, not far um, long after that, for yeah, the reunion. We went to Rock the Bells together, didn't we? Yeah, we. Uh, that was oh nine, right? I think that was oh eight or oh nine. Oh eight or oh nine, and then uh, and then there was Rise. Uh, LA Rising at the Coliseum. Were you there for that? Yeah. The only time I've seen them is at Rock the Rock Bells. Rock the Bells. We got tear gassed. Yeah, that's that's my favorite part of the town. <laughs> that's that's your favorite part? How are you gonna how are you gonna say I saw Rage Against the Machine and I got tear gassed? That's that's the story. <laughs> that is. It is. Well we got tear no, we didn't specifically but uh the there uh, was tear gas in the air that there night. was when people were from the uh further areas yeah, were like jumping the, the fence like the garden area way way back yeah they, they were like jumping fence. it and so like cops couldn't keep them uh where they were and they started just launching tear gas trying to get oh, people shit. back and of course you know that spreads throughout the entire area so at a certain point everybody had like Everybody was crying. Were you feeling it? <laughs> oh, yeah. You felt it? You were that yeah. close, huh? Um, well, like, we were when it pit. hit me, like, the show had already ended. Everyone was oh, leaving. Yeah. But we had to go, like, up and out towards, like, that gate that they had knocked down and got tear gassed over. Like, we, everyone was, like, slowly, slowly like making their way towards the exit and that's when like you know like 10 people in front of you someone starts coughing and then like you start like oh this doesn't feel good yeah yeah it sucks <laughs> can't imagine like somebody getting a direct hit of that shit like that's Ow. got that's got that's got to ruin your day hell yeah in some way <laughs>
But um, anyway, since then, um, I've been going to a couple of your bat. We're talking still like we're on the, the, the late aughts here where you started up your game. And I got to always enunciate because it sounds like something else. Yeah. Game music for all. Um, you're still doing that? Uh, yeah, it's kind of on the back burner right now mm-hmm. as I focus on my own music. Yeah. But I really hope to bring that back probably, well, hopefully in December, but definitely sometime Talk to us next about year. the inception of that. Um, well, it was another man making ourselves real old on this podcast, uh, MySpace. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, that was like the place to find music back yeah, in the day. It was. And... Um, there was like, because I had already listened to like some video game remixes, you know, we had LimeWire back in the day, mm-hmm. like, oh, look at this ten- Tetris, uh, this Tetris techno remix. And like, so like the idea was already in my head, but like once MySpace happened, then I discovered there was like actual live bands, like performing video game music. Mm-hmm. And, but like, they were all like, you know, like a hundred followers on MySpace or whatever, like. Not a lot. Yeah, like not a lot. And if they were like, they were all like, because this is like, oh, the inter- the world of the internet is opening up to us. So like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a band in like Michigan, there's a band in Florida, there's a band in New York, but like no one had, like no one knew other people were doing this they're stuff. So everyone, out. Yeah. everyone was in their own zone just thinking they're the only dork uh, <laughs> that wants to do live Mega Man music. Right. And, but then like once MySpace happened, you know, you start finding other people and connecting and I just wanted to run with that idea so I started the game music for all website to kind of just like doing interviews or announcing when people are doing shows or new albums, album reviews, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So like you're just your basic indie music blog, but with like a f- focus on people inspired by video games. Yeah. Yes. You know, and, and that, that leads me to try to even found a uh, another similar group called Gay Music for All. <laughs> I think that already exists. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's just <laughs> called the radio. Oh, what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, just kidding. Um, no, that's that's dope, dude. Because I I went to a couple of uh, the uh, the events that you threw. And it was at this location. I don't think it's there anymore. They shut it down, right? Yeah, it, it looked like the- a carnival. Or, like oh, a, I remember going to that. You went to one of those. Yeah, yeah R-I-P-C-I-A, the, the Center for Abnormal Arts. Yeah. <gasps> That's why it's so creepy. Yeah. And it was uh, very like, uh, I want to call it like circusy, like circus-esque. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it had that circus, like a sideshow vibe. Sideshow vibe. There you go. Yeah, and it was cool. Like I, I like the uh, the aesthetics of the whole thing. Uh, I wish they sold alcohol. I remember them not selling alcohol. Did, did they sell alcohol? Yeah, they had a bar in. There. Or was I just not twenty one yet? I'm not sure because I know we had like a eighteen over shows. Okay. So maybe. <laughs> okay. I can't. I can't attest to your drinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I remember being drunk. I just don't remember drinking there. <laughs> anyway, that's beside the point. But um, I think the the most the most recent one, which is not very recent, but the most recent time that I went there was when there was a um, there was a Guitar Hero tournament taking place there. That oh, yeah. I, that you know you had a couple of friends that were hosting that part of it. 
and they were just annihilating everybody. Like it wasn't even fair. <laughs> and I, I got I got taken out in the first round. It was very embarrassing. Oh yeah, those were the if you were a gamer, those uh, what late two thousands, yeah, the mid to late two thousands, you were uh, playing a ton of rhythm games like Guitar Hero had just come out. Yeah, uh, people were still playing. Uh, what is it? Beat Mania and Guitar Freaks in the arcade and. Mm -hmm. Oh, and of course, Dance Dance Revolution was still like oh, a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you guys ever play that in the arcade? Uh, a DDR. few times. Yeah. But I wasn't like, by the time like I tried it in the arcade, like the, even the easiest songs were already difficult. <laughs> yeah. I recently went to round one in City of Industry next, uh, next to the Point Hills Mall. And I went with uh, Lorimar, one of my coworkers, and she holds on to the bar while she's playing DDR. Like, her feet are flying. I was like, damn, girl, you got some moves. Like, I would have never expected this <laughs> tiny little thing to be able to reach all the way across and then just, like, tippy-tap her way through the song. It's insane. <laughs> like, people will, like, actually bring their giant uh, gallon of water, they'll bring a towel, and they'll just be there for hours playing DDR, and that's their exercise for there the day. There was an entire King of the Hill episode about this. I don't remember that. Oh, oh the Japan episode? Yeah, when they go to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Dansu. <laughs> yeah, they communicate through dance. Through dance, yeah, through, through DDR. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, people are still into it. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Um, and then, uh, and then just, and then after that, I, after a few years later, maybe what, 15 to 20 years later, <laughs> um, I see that you're DJing as uh, DJ Geno Boost, right? Yeah. We, uh, that came up recently when we were interviewing, uh, Groovy Kaiju. That's right. Yeah. He yeah. gave you a shout out. Oh yeah. Have he's you, dope. You've worked yeah, with yeah. him? Um, I've covered some of his music before. Oh, okay. Yeah. I love a lot of his music and I know he's out there doing the, what is it? Like the, the gr those groovy nights that mm -hmm. he does. The crystal nostalgia. Yeah, crystal nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. We had him on a show uh, a couple months ago, right? One <laughs> of the more recent ones the, yeah. that we've had on guests i think it was the most recent guest that we've had on before, yeah, like before just, uh july or june or something like yeah, that it's not saying much but yeah <laughs> the, the 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 previous guest just go back uh yeah you, you came up there um and he gave you props on on your stuff but um now uh has it only been like a year or so that you've been doing uh, the mode seven thing um, I did a few shows last year, but I have to admit at this point that I, I wasn't taking them seriously enough. I didn't know like what it takes to perform yet. Yeah. So I don't really want to count those ones, but I did do some shows last year, but I started taking it real seriously at the beginning of this year. Started like trying to go to as many open mics as I could and stuff mm -hmm. and trying to like build up my performance. Yeah. But I guess I've been writing music for almost, almost two years now. Okay. Nice. Nice. That being said, uh, you sent in a couple of, uh, you sent in three tracks. Uh, is there one that you would like me to play right now in particular? First? Which, um, yeah, I think the best one to describe my music is probably Pipeland. Pipeland? I sent that one your way. Sure. You want to play it? Yeah, go for All it. Right, right on. Here we go. Ooh. Here we go. 
I like your man hot like a frying pan Scoop with both hands Knock into the fans in the back dance Triple jumps, back flips and handstands On my feet I always land I've got a good plan Grab these coins and increase my lifespan All in due time Put my costume on and get on my grind You think I'm lying? Well it's all true, especially the parts where I died I've got plenty of lives Find treasure all the time When I fall in a pit, take a good hit Get back up and hit retry Mario fans are jumping up and down enjoyed an outing to the fine establishment owned and operated by Mr. Charles Entertainment Cheese. Mm-mm. The band that plays at your local Chuck E. Cheese will no longer be playing at your local Chuck E. Cheese. In fact, the only Chuck E. Cheese that will have the band playing with those creepy animatronic characters will be the one in Northridge. It's been um, it's been speculated and I think confirmed that one of the reasons why and it's only one of the reasons why that they've removed these animatronic characters playing cover bands and even original music um, is because of the Five Nights at Freddy's <laughs> movie that came out that is pretty much depicting animatronic people or characters in a you know children's establishment taking it over haunting it and killing people that uh that attend this this place um another reason too is because they want to upgrade it that's that's really what they're saying is like we want to upgrade it so that it becomes like more of a dance party where it it becomes an environment where both adults and children could get to play Mm -hmm. um so i think they want to turn it into a kid-friendly dave and busters you know what? There was an episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they did yep. this exact same thing. Yep. And they were beside themselves. It was like 
what the hell? And they changed everything. Yeah. We're, we're, we're <laughs> they went in an era where nothing was safe. Things are falling off the walls. And then, you know, they realized that everything was nice and safe and everything's nice and boring now. So this is exactly what's happening to hard Chuck E. Cheese in real life. Munch's Make Make Believe Band has been ended and it only really has the residency in Northridge. So at least if you want to go check out the nostalgia that is this Munch's Make Believe Band, you can go check them out at the Northridge Chuck E. Cheese. Why did they pick Northridge out of all locations? I don't know. I don't know, but, um, well, who cares really? <sighs> but uh, at the end of an era, if you ask me, um, I mean, I haven't gone to a Chuck E. Cheese in years since I was like in high school. Do you, oh, well, I wonder when they're going to start removing them. I think they've have, or I don't know. You think they've, they haven't started yet? Let me see. When are they removing Chuck E. Cheese band. Googling with Steph. Uh, oh, they're also citing COVID uh, as uh, one of the reasons why they didn't see a need to have these animatronic characters anymore. I don't see how that makes any sense. Well, they got hit hard during COVID, I guess. That's why. Well, yeah, a lot of businesses do. Yeah. Dude, that old Chuck E. Cheese is fucking weird. Yeah. It's creepy, man. It's creepy, dude. Things that nightmares are made of. Oh, it's officially retired now. Okay, Munch's make-believe band. Well, huh? only a poor... Oh, man. It's, it's I was I was hoping that we can just do is it. Is that a commercial? Yeah. You From 1990? Okay, hold on. All right, hopefully it's not so loud. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we proudly present an exciting new musical review with your merrymaking master of ceremonies, Chuck E. Cheese. That's me, Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> your host with a most. But even with this star behind me, I am not the star of the show. You are. Because the magic only happens when we all get together. We can feel the magic. Oh, yeah. Look at all these kids having fun in the playpen. Yeah, that is the 1990s. Oh boy. It's a whole song, huh? Yeah. Two minutes. We're halfway there. Put your hands Hit purple down. Jasper Jones is jamming with ease. Yeah, shredding. Jasper Squally drumming away. Pasquale. And with Helen's vocalizing, <laughs> there's no disguising. Chucky Cheese is giving you a party today. I always like her voice. We got it together. We got it. We got it together with you. We're together. Things couldn't be better. Together we got it. Let's just make believe. Band and you. We got it. Together we got it. We got it together with you. That's We got it together forever. It's great to be together. It's really quite a pleasure. Only together. 
Wow. That is very, very dated. (laughs) What was more creepy? The fact that the mouths didn't necessarily match what was being said, the eyelids, the overall aesthetic of these characters. Um, I, I mean, look at those beady eyes coming from, from, from Chuck. You know, I never thought it was creepy. Oh, for fuck's sake. Like I knew it was animatronic. I know, I know. But like, like a, a, a dumb kid would, would get free. A lot of kids started to cry. You know, there was a lot there was nary a, a, a dry eye mm. in, uh, in a Chuck E. Cheese when I would attend as a child. There was always some kid who got creeped out and would begin screaming. Yeah, there's always one. <laughs> but, I mean... Like a villain origin story happening right there before our... <laughs> well, that's why you got to distract him with the games and the pizza. Because not everybody's going to like the music. Because... Not only that, but they never updated the songs, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think in the in the two thousands they they started writing songs, uh, really, because yeah, they were just playing cover songs in their style mm-hmm. for forever, and then they started writing songs for them. Okay, yeah, you know what? This would be a good opportunity for Shoelace Express to start auditioning. For fuck's sake, no, <laughs> no, you don't want to have a residency at Chuck E. Cheese every Tuesday. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't hate that actually. <laughs> I, they do serve beer, and their pizza is pretty good. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Yeah. The Foo Bar Show presents. Yeah, man, we saw we saw Godzilla minus one in theaters uh, this weekend, and it's the best Godzilla ever made. Ever. 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 And it's by the Toho Studios, Japanese, so it's a Japanese movie. It is in Japanese, so if you hate reading subtitles, fucking suck it up, because this is a great movie. Oh, my God. Amazing. Now, we're not going to spoil anything, so don't worry about that unless Steph does something stupid. <laughs> well, what had happened was, <laughs> but um, I gotta say that um, it's they do something special that has worked in other properties, like like the first few seasons of Walking Dead, where it's a it's very much a human experience type of story, with but that happens to have zombies in the background or in this case godzilla is going down in the background destroying yes you know parts of japan um they take this back to post world war ii mm-hmm. uh what are we talking like the late 40s early 50s right i think it's just no there's a timeline within the movie so mm-hmm. i think it starts off at 1945 something like that yeah right at the end and and it does a little bit of a well, not a whole lot of time jumps, but there is a, a there's a eh, there's time jumps, a little bit, yeah, it's not bit. too much, not too crazy, but it doesn't go from forward to back; it just goes forward, yeah, to tell the story, uh, which I like. They, I like that they did that. Um, I like the you know, 
when we watch a movie here in the United States about World War II, we see it from our perspective, from the winner's perspective. Right. And, you know, this was an opportunity for Japan or for any studio, really, to come out with a movie showing it from the opposite's perspective. I don't think I've ever seen a story or movie from the Japanese's perspective of them losing the war and everybody dealing with that. I don't know. We haven't. This is, like I think, the first time, you know, seeing something like that and what goes through their mind. I mean, not only did they see a bunch of fucked up shit in, in, you know, during the war, but now they have to live with a world where they lost that war, where they saw so much death and destruction, mm-hmm. um, not only out in the war fields, but also in their homeland. Yeah. So you see them like kind of have to rebuild everything. They're rebuilding Japan and their, their, their home. And um, and then you have Godzilla to, to reckon with, too, now. Yeah, because he's not in, on anybody's radar for, mm-hmm. like, the longest... Well, well you know. The, the, yeah, so I, I don't want to say it. See, I almost ruined it. You almost ruined it. I almost ruined it. But, uh, but let's just put it in, in simple terms. I mean, it's about a soldier. I'm not ruining anything by saying this, but it's about a soldier going through, like, PTSD. Yes, that's exactly what's happening. You know, and and him dealing with his his own struggle and coming to terms with himself because there's a there's another story at large about why he survived um and why he um is kind of going out of his way to 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 be the hero to save everybody from the uh, the Godzilla attack. Now, if you all remember from the very, very first Godzilla movie, they um, they killed them with using that oxygen destroyer. Yeah. Chemical, whatever. Um, I like what they did here where they... Are you going to say it? You can't say I'm it. I'm not saying anything. But I like what they did here where they kind of... The fight, they took it to the ocean uh-huh. in their own... They use physics and they explain that well. Okay. I thought, you know, when, when they gather everybody who wants to fight together. I mean, all of that's in the trailer. Yeah. Not ruining anything like that. But they use physics to try to defeat him. Uh, and that made a lot of sense. And then when at the end of the story, of course, you know, I don't want to say it. I can't say it. Stop talking. But there's <laughs> just don't say it. There's a there's a cliffhanger. We haven't seen the last of Derpy doing his derpiness. And can we talk about his derpiness? Oh my God. This is probably yes. the derpiest. So the way I describe yes. it, well, when we were leaving the theater, I'm like, you were saying uh, like how you really, really loved what they did with his dead eyes when he's looking at oh, you. Oh man, that was my favorite and part. And the best way I can describe it was, you know when Will Ferrell, like when he's when he, when he just gives you his dead eyes... And and he just he just goes into like that character that he's doing, like uh, I don't know. Let's just say Anchorman, yeah, or anyone any one of his characters when he just he's playing like a straight faced, but he's just doing something wacky. That's what it reminded me of, and it was amazing. And when he uses his blaster, his his uh, what do you, what did they call it the uh, the heat ray the heat ray. It's like an atomic bomb, and then the way they do it. Man, it's, Ooh, it's just crazy. Oh, my God. Yes. So good. So good. Um, 
and yeah, when he's fully formed, then he's walking throughout Japan, and uh, very much like he he doesn't ho- have a whole lot of dexterity. You know, it's it's very much like the old derpy that we know and love of yeah. him just kind of strolling through. He's just walking on, he's just walking, walking on land because he's been in the ocean, and um, and he's not very fast, but he's very destructive. He's a thick boy. He's very thick. Um, so I like that they still kept a lot of the elements of the original Godzillas. Yeah, and that's probably why this movie works so well because there's all the source material that they pulled from and they mm. kept it. Yeah, it's not like they don't they don't have to reinvent the wheel. And they gave us an amazing story, like a very human story behind it. Yeah, and that's probably why this is getting such high reviews. Dude, it got 97 on Rotten Tomatoes. 98 audience score. That's amazing. For a Godzilla movie. For a Godzilla movie that's not even in English. Yeah. You know, it's a a Japanese movie. Um, It runs two hours and five minutes. It's, I think the pacing of this movie is great. Um, Mm -hmm. Like it needed to be two hours and five minutes. I don't think there was one minute wasted in this movie. No, they did everything spot on. I got to say this. So for me, and I know that we're in the tail end of 2023. This is the best movie of 2023. Yes. Agreed. And I best movie of the year. I'm not only saying that because I'm a big nerd. I'm not saying that because uh, here at the food bar show, we enjoy ourselves a good derpy, a good dose of derpiness with Godzilla movies. For fuck's sake, we have a we have a segment called Podzilla, Podzilla for you know that we've had for years, um, but it's 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 genuinely a really really good movie. Yes, yeah. I am going to give this a ten out of ten. Yeah, uh, it's not hard to rate this one, and I'd say it it for me it gets a perfect score. Mm-hmm. Character development, the the action sequences are amazing. Um, the way that they explain their motives of why they, they're doing what they're doing and how they're going to go about doing it. They they just waste no time. There's no minute, second wasted in this movie and you're enjoying every freaking second of it. Um, they they wasted no... They didn't they didn't pull back any, any, any punches with this one. Yeah. I'm just so happy with it and I'm down to go watch it again. Yes, you're just heavily invested in each one of the characters mm-hmm. like the the time they spent for the character development was just the right amount of time i feel like any less and you would not build that relationship mm-hmm. and that's why the movie works so well yeah um prior to this my favorite movie was the very first godzilla movie the very Out of from the, like 1950 something yes yeah. 1954 i think three three, three? Or four, something like that yeah we have the poster around here somewhere Right there. Yeah. That was my favorite one because it was, it was right here. Ah. It's on the side because oh, our, our yeah, frame it's broke. It's Japanese though. Yeah. Well, we know what it says. <laughs> um, Let me guess. Does it say Godzilla on it? Derp. He's super derpy in that first one. <laughs> it was like a 300 pound suit <laughs> that he had to walk through. <laughs> um, yeah. So this one definitely takes the top. And I'm going to have to put that, you know, the first, very first Godzilla movie at the number two spot. Yeah. Out of, out of all the Godzilla movies, even the, the new American ones, mm. like where would you rank that? What, what, were, what would be your top three? 
take into account into account all of the Godzillas that have ever come out, American or Japanese. Um. So having seen minus one, this is now my number one. Yeah. My number two is the very first nineteen fifty three Godzilla. Okay. Um. And let's just go top three. The other one was um, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Okay. The, 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 American, the American one, yes. Okay, the first with one. With Mothra. Yeah. And uh, is that the one with Ghidorah? Yeah. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I got to say that, of course, this was the best one for me. Um and then I really enjoyed the shit out of uh, Godzilla versus Kong. That was a good one. That was a really good one. And um, and Godzilla two thousand. Yeah, I just I couldn't. You keep couldn't. thinking that that's the Matthew Broadwick no, one, I, and it's not. No, we recently. I think we saw it this year. Okay. The Godzilla two thousand. That's what the one with the spaceship hanging overhead and sucking all the energy out. Is it? Yes. Hmm. I think you're confusing it with a different one. No. Anyway. I'm not thinking about the lizard one. The lizard looking Matthew Broderick one where no. he lays all the eggs. Well, it came out in the same year, I think. Godzilla 2000 yeah. and that Matthew Broderick one. Broderick? Broad, broad, I can't say. Wadwick? <laughs> I'm hunting wabbits. <laughs> Duck season. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, go see it. If you haven't seen it, um, I, they might pull it from the theater soon, uh, unless it continues to get like awesome reviews and, and it starts. It make, just came out, but they had to renew it. Like they had, they, it was only supposed to be out for a, for an X amount of time because it's, it's a Japanese, like they didn't know what to make of it here in the States. Like they didn't know how to plan for it. Mm. So it only was supposed to be out for a couple weeks and then they extended it because of the response that it's been getting. So I don't know how much longer we've got until they pull it um so go see it yes and uh and, and report back for fuck's sake it's it's a really good movie i know i think i would like to revisit this on a podzilla and like break this down piece by piece oh when enough time has gone by yeah so we don't spoil it for anybody yeah maybe when we come back yeah maybe we'll be right back maybe maybe by <laughs> by the time we uh come back from our break here from from the holiday break It'll be, uh, it'll probably be out on streaming or something. We got, we're going to give you one month. <laughs> All right. You got till mid-January. Exactly. Now, uh, you were reading something that they have opened this up to its own universe now? Like, there's going to be more movies that will be direct sequels to this Minus One movie. Yeah. So, Toho, I don't think Toho officially announced it yet, but... There is going to be uh, its own universe. I mean, it's probably going to be similar to what we saw uh, during the f- the first era of Godzilla movies, which mm. it was like the same Godzilla just fighting different monsters, right? Right. And then that's when Godzilla like transitioned from being our nemesis to now being our friend because all these other monsters started appearing and we started right. using Godzilla as an attack point on those monsters. Yes. He I w- he was an anti-hero at a certain point. Yeah. Yeah, cuz he still would fuck up Tokyo. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and any chance he got. It's funny when we were walking around <laughs> we were walking around Comic-Con, I saw this uh, poster that somebody made that says what would Godzilla do? <laughs> and I'm like yes. 
<laughs> so whenever you know you're you're confused as to uh, you know whenever you're having a, a bad day or something, you you, you look at that poster. And what would Godzilla do? You're right, Derpy. I'll go destroy Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Godzilla would do. Thank you. <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Is that going to do it for Podzilla? Yeah, I think so. Fuck, man. Thank you, guys. Well, then get your shit together. Get it all together and put it in a backpack. All your shit. So it's together. And if you gotta take it somewhere, take it somewhere, you know? Take it to the shit store and sell it. Or put it in a shit museum. I don't care what you do. You just gotta get it together. Get your shit together. <laughs>